We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hi! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have special bonus episodes, and this is one of those. This is our fourth Halloween, Halloween horror special. I guess Halloween work as well. It's, it's Halloween-ish. I mean, it's the, it's, it's the season. Uh, but yes, it is our fourth horror special of the month. We've been doing these special horror episodes throughout the month of October. We've been doing those for the past few years, and this is our latest one for this month in 2017. Um, we've previously did episodes on horror adaptation. Uh, we talked about the legacies of George A. Romero and Toby Hooper, and the last, the most recent episode was a commentary track for Child's Play, the original Child's Play that introduced us to Chucky. And so this week, uh, we have a new topic, which I think should be a lot of fun. It is children's horror. Children's what horror. Is, what does that mean, Aaron? I would say the, the, the way I'm approaching children's horror is films that are horror films or spooky films that are appropriate for children, or mm, that, okay. at least what we may deem to be. We'll get into that as we get into the show, because we have a lot of, I imagine, opinions about what's suitable for you know, a younger audience. Um, but yes, not to be confused with something like creepy kid movies um, or horror that is about children in some way. This is more... You know, it's more focused on not necessarily the rating, but the appropriateness of said horror film for children, whether they're mm, designed okay. for family audiences or if it's just like, hey, I saw this when I was younger and I think it's works. So that's the idea for this one, I think. And I think it should be yield some fun results. Um, that's what we're going to be discussing. Um, joining us to discuss children's horror, we have from Wise Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast. He said some naughty words that will give his parents a fright. It's Brandon Peters. Really looking forward to talking about Sallow and a Serbian film tonight. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us from Maxwell's Chop House, he's up past his bedtime and seeing violence in adult situations as Maxwell had it. Hello. Hi. Hi. That was, that was a spooky hello. I, I feel like I'm being welcomed into Bates Motel or something. I did my best. To be fair, Bates is a lot more cordial. Um, <laughs> it's how he gets people to come in. That makes although, sense. Although I guess, or is it the two-for-one deal? I, and I assume Maxwell's not at the, he's not the major D at X Maxwell's Chop House. Or maybe I'm wrong. Not maybe you are. usually. Not usually. Not... Okay. <laughs> a disconcerting high would um, be like, okay. Well, although if you stop on in, you never know when you may make an appearance. Which is why you have to do it. And if you do, as we know on this show, you mentioned on another name, free glass of water and the lemon wedge. So we have that all under control. What a beautiful gift. I, what I'm happy with is that our our um, our Maxwell Chop House <laughs> celebration and advertisement works really well on the show. I'm sure people are just yeah. like just just pre- they're just like, slamming. It, it's for like their the it, it's like the like the um, the the audience that Mother has in Mother. People just just beating down that door trying to get into that house. That's what's going on when we. Um, let me tell you. Yeah. We're, we're we're booked till the Japan Olympics. <laughs> wow. Wow. Anyway. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> Not true. Please. Please come in. Make a reservation. <laughs> anyway, uh, how, how are you guys doing tonight? Good. I'm a little chilly. Uh, okay. Well, let's hope to turn that around when we get excited about talking about children's horror films. But let's get some show notes stuff out of the way real quick. First up, I mentioned all the uh, previous horror episodes we've been doing already. Those are all available on iTunes and Audio Boom now, so feel free to check those out. It'd be great. Um, what else? Uh, that's really it. iTunes reads ratings. Good to get those, of course. And, uh, yeah, we have our regular episodes, which are up as well. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's move into it, guys. Let's, let's talk about this topic first. Hey, Abe, you already asked me what this, you know, kind of topic entails, and I want to kind of get more into it before we get to our, into our picks, and I think a best way to go about that would be by asking you guys about kind of when you started experience horror, experiencing horror films in your, uh, in your time growing up. That's a great um, question, Gary. When I was a kid, till I was a, 
feel like an early teenager, I was a huge scaredy cat. Like anything remotely scary would freak me out. And I had night terrors and the dark terrified me. So I was very hesitant to really dive into horror. That being said, I, I, I think my first like experience with horror was a friend came over with a blockbuster tape. Uh, I'm aging myself. Uh, <laughs> that I should not have been watching and that gave me nightmares and is now one of my favorite movies and it was Scream. Mm. So if, you know, probably 97, I would imagine when that came out on video. So I was 10, 11 years old. And uh, that was probably not the best introduction into horror, A, because I didn't get the references and B, because it's super violent for a 10 or 11 year old. But well, how about you, Brandon? When did you start getting into horror films? I guess really early. Uh, when I was super little, I loved Gremlins for some reason. Like, I was always, I was, like, watching that my parents would rent it for me uh, constantly. I was also into, like, Ghostbusters, which, you know, people argue the merits of that being a horror film, but it's about ghost hunting, for one. And uh, to a a small child, that scene in the library at the opening is scary as hell. I'd say that would be when Rick Moranis gets chased down by the dog. I think there's a lot. Those dogs scared me. As I got a little older and more aware of things like those two movies I was fine with at a certain age. They started becoming even more scary for some reason, even though I'd seen them a bunch before. Like this, I remember Gremlins was on TV one time and I came home. My parents, everyone went to bed. I was like, I'm going to watch this. And it was the scene where the mother is in the house alone. And do you hear what I hear came on? And she's going up the steps like, nope, nope, not going to, not going <laughs> to finish this tonight. Um, but uh, I always was intrigued by horror because when I was growing up in the eighties, it was very taboo. And it was like something you you know you were evil or you know satanic if you liked a lot of horror it was it, it wasn't cool uh, it's a, it's grown to become this huge following it's uh, totally okay now but back then it wasn't <laughs> boy has that and, become the least of our problems today <laughs> right yes uh, but I used to love it the horror stuff always had the coolest when you uh, Maxwell mentioned the video store you go in the video store they always had the coolest cardboard standups all their cases screamed please rent me. Uh, they, you know, they had the coolest box art and these characters. I was told your parents don't want you to see this, so immediately I have to see this. Or what's and I wanted to know what was so bad. And as I got into horror when I was younger and stuff, the, it was the rush that I constantly wanted back. I liked the thrill of a chase or being, you know, covering my eyes due to something gross or you know, something. There was just a, a rush that came with it, and it started with certain films that we'll probably talk about a little bit here at an early age. But yeah, that's kind of where I came from i guess but there was a lot of tv involved too and i'm sure we'll talk about that too yeah we'll tv was there's one show in particular that i won't mention now that was super important in like turning me onto a horror fan i have hmm. a feeling i know what that is but we'll get i don't know but i want to know well abe i have a feeling you're probably similar to maxwell right as far as yes yeah that's correct <laughs> i also <laughs> have a cop house and uh, I like reading. <laughs> <laughs> no, one I, I'm also. Is Abe and Louise? Is that yours? Uh, no, that's actually my cousin's. No, uh, but, no, but uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of horror. Uh, and there's like an age gap in my family, so I have older siblings. And whenever they would come over, they would tend to watch horror movies. But um, my, so my first exposure to it was TV stations back in the day, like television back in the day wasn't as like people you know they they kind of gathered around it much more you only had few local channels and not as many cable channels so during halloween they would always show scary movies such as child's play or halloween the the first john carpenter movie 
And that was kind of like my first exposure to horror movies was like these edited for TV horror movies, which are like, uh, which I had never realized were that, uh, that I guess, uh, dark and menacing. I'm so, right there with you, Abe. Like there was a, when I was transcending, it was stuff on TV as well. For me, it was USA up all night with Rhonda Shear or Gilbert Gottfried would show the Friday the 13th. But they were yeah. edited. For, for me, yeah, it was and, the Joe Bob Briggs yeah. on TNT. Those are the... <laughs> it's interesting you mention older siblings because, unlike you, I have become a, uh, a horror fan now. And I think the fact that I used to be so scared and I'm now not is interesting. But my older siblings did take me to stuff. So I think the first horror movie I saw in theaters was I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, <laughs> um, star- starring, Jack, starring Jack Black. Of course. And, yep. Uh, I, Rasta, I call it I call, Jack Black. I call it Jack Black's I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. It's yeah. the only appropriate <laughs> title. You know, I watch it now. And it's, it's terrible, but at the time, it scared the hell out of me. I remember I had like a youth uh, town basketball game I played in uh, before, and then he took me to this movie, and I was just like super, super screwed up for weeks after that. Oof, you didn't want to go. And now I watch it, and I'm never. like, eh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how I feel now. I mean, while while horror still isn't my forte, uh, I still I, I do enjoy some other aspects of it. We've talked about this on the show too, of just uh, how horror can kind of really range in terms of um, how slashery it is, or how psychological, or how thrillerish it is. So uh, I I do enjoy some of them now. Some of them I still kind of just kind of stay away from, mostly because uh, it possibly just doesn't see my interest but yeah that was my intro into horror just uh television stuff and also uh older siblings that were um uh introducing me or i guess watching horror movies on their own but brandon i definitely agree with you that walking into like blockbuster or hollywood video or just your local video rental center and you you kind of wanted to always go by the horror section just to see the the box art um and, you know, now that I'm older, I, I look back on it and I think to myself, man, that that's a ridiculous movie for that box art was really great for like a fun or a silly movie. Well, and always like you'd be at the video store and you'd see like this was a time when sequels weren't very common, except horror. You'd be like, oh, there's eight of these. Oh, man, I better catch up. Like, hell or something like that. Yeah. There's like <laughs> you mentioned um, uh, going to like Blockbuster, what have you, and like seeing the horror section. And yeah, there's certainly boxes that stood out such as like dead alive or or what's it called monkey shines monkey shines shocker uh, tommy knockers uh, is another one like just tommy knocker because they they have very specific cover art um that you know emphasizes that they're horror films or whatnot uh, as far as my relationship with horror i've been watching horror for a long time uh much younger than you know, would have been required. Randy mentioned um, Gremlins, which, yeah, that's a good example of a movie where that's one where I, for some reason, I never found that particularly scary, but I did admire the kind of, you know, watching that film and be like, this is like fun, but like has this weird like creature stuff going on. Like that stuff for some reason didn't get to me as far as, you know, Stripe and things that I can, you know, be considered to be scary. I mentioned this on the Child's Play commentary. Those were movies I did watch, the Chucky movies, because they're on TV so much where it's like, I probably shouldn't have been watching those, even in the TV edited versions, but like I, was some for whatever reason transfixed by the fact it's like it's a talking doll I should watch that movie, um, and so as the time went on I just kind of just you know started watching more and more horror but it was I can't I can't say I was like I was ever avoiding horror due to being scared I might not have been able to see everything just because of my own kind of accessibility to certain uh, films but 
I've always kind of I've had I've certainly had an appreciation for a variety of different types of horror, a lot of monster movies and whatnot, because it's just mm-hmm. always been a lot of fun to me. And even like horror comedies, you kind of like you mentioned Ghostbusters and some other movies that we can may or may not come up later on as well. But yeah, it's it's always been a genre that has fascinated me. And while I may have been scared when I was at a younger age, and Abe, I mentioned this many times on the podcast, but the thriller music video was always one that did it for me. Um, as far as actually getting me scared of something. Oh yeah, um, that was yeah, that a, was creepy. That's a, that's a creepy video. It is a creepy video. Yeah. And as a child, great, it's like yeah, it, great makeup. Got, yeah, it's great makeup. But um, like those those were that that was a thing that like legit got to me. Um, but yeah, as that you know, time went on, I just appreciated more and more of what I was seeing. Uh, you know, consistently on in October and other dates, but like something like Halloween, obviously, was like a one where I really liked it. It was never one that necessarily got to me as a scare factor but something like i like this kind of movie and i want to see more of this now i wouldn't say i'm on the same level as brandon as far as the slasher films go but as far as the genre as a whole i really i've always admired the creativity and so it and you know nowadays as we know we're doing this as a you know as a podcast i mean there's certainly obviously a lot of appreciation that all of us have for the, the genre and all the kind of different extents it has so yeah <laughs> we've gone through, we've gone through our origin that stories a, of horror. Yeah, that was a cool little origin story. Um, I, Maxwell, what's the TV show you're referring to? I, I wanna... Um, I was referring to Erie, Indiana. Ah. Oh yeah, I, was, I, like I had that so noted down too. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm maybe maybe you're thinking, are you afraid of the dark? That is what I was thinking. Yeah, That's what yep. I, was thinking. Yeah. I had that one but, there too. Yeah, but Erie, Indiana, I think came a little before that, and I remember catching some episodes, and you know, it was on TV, and it was made for a younger audience, so it wasn't scary but it had an eerie tone and lots of supernatural stuff and some episodes were certainly scarier than others so that yeah. was sort of very formative in, in me starting to get into creepier things mm-hmm. what's neat about that is that also was around the same time that goosebumps was starting to get gain popularity and became a tv show so eerie indiana was kind of more quote-unquote serious than goosebumps and that's what added to some of the uh you know me enjoying it a little bit more okay. yeah um so as we bridge into kind of our, our our lists of the different picks we have for children's horror, I guess we should talk about the kind of topic itself, regardless of our own kind of experiences watching horror as younger younger people. Um, what I guess we should go into kind of the parameters of our list, which I think is a good way to talk about what we consider to be children's horror, what like fits appropriately. Uh, like so, Brand, like Brandon, what what do you, in assembling your list? What, what was kind of like the guidelines you had or you were following? Um, well, I'm the one person on here who has kids, so one of my things is would I let my kids watch it right now? Which is what I'm very fascinated by, actually. So, um, so and I have a, a currently a three-year-old and a, a I guess, five-and-a-half-year-old, um, but he's very into, like, horror stuff um, on his own. Um, but I've, I've kind of taken it a little bit past uh, that age, maybe up to, like, an eight or ten for, like, children's horror because it's somewhere between eight and ten they're going to watch something they're not supposed to and that could be where their gateway comes from i I would assume but i i I read through some lists just to kind of see if i my head was in the same place and i there was a list on like slash film where it's like 15 best you know horror movies you know for kids and i read it and i was like you don't have children do you (laughs) (laughs) you obviously don't i'm reading some of these i'm like no um no uh granted some things are like that were taboo and and crazy back then are now considered tame Mm -hmm. uh but still but no i i um like i'll I'll say this my my son is a universal classic monsters nut he loves all the old black and white ones um and 
he he first started out uh, like every Halloween I take him out trick or treating and then we come back and watch like a horror movie I find appropriate. And first first time I, I tried uh, Frankenstein and he didn't like the this is when he was like two or three but he the grave uh, robbing scene at the beginning kind of spooked him a little. So we switched to Dracula and then he loved Dracula. Like he was walking around walking around acting like he had the cape and stuff and then he decided to tough it out and try Frankenstein again and got through it. And he loves like creature. He's going for Halloween this year as the creature from the Black Lagoon. Nice, uh, very nice. I, I didn't know you could find that costume. I mean, the other ones are easy, but that one's not very typical. Just to go, I think my wife found it. There was at like Target. It was like what? What but, for kids? For kids, yeah. So, but he came kids out these days. Yeah, he, I know. He he loves them. He likes to collect, find little collectibles of them. He's got every. We've got so many DVDs because they make those sets that have like every one of them on there. We have multiple yeah. ones of those, but he he loves them. Is he, My is daughter he, is he going as the creature from the Black Lagoon specifically, or the creature walks among us? I'm very. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's first one. Okay. Uh, last year, last year he was uh, a Frankenstein's monster, and his little sister was Bride of Frankenstein. And they had they wanted me to play Doctor Frankenstein. I did not pick these. These are these are being picked by my son. So <laughs> okay. he's got an old soul, but he also likes other things. But he. I have collectible things like, uh, but like it's you know Michael Myers, Freddy, Jason, Pinhead, that stuff doesn't phase him. Chucky scares the living hell out of him. Just seeing an image of Chucky, he has never seen any of these movies, never seen a scene from them. But Chucky scares the living daylights out of him. Is it yeah. Chucky with like the furred eyebrows, or is it the the good guy Chucky? Any of them. Any of them. Okay. Any of them. Like we've been to like uh. In the, uh, like some mall stores will have a Chucky doll, and he won't go within fifteen feet of it. So just a Smart. good guy doll in general yeah. would get yeah. right, right. Yeah, he won't. I mean, even a Funko Pop of Chucky, he doesn't want to be around it. So, oh, interesting. I mean, I, those Funko Pops can be creepy though. Let's be honest. Um, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they come alive at night. True, they do. but we that's all, we all, as we all know, they do come alive at night. And they do chores <laughs> for you. Have you not seen Toy Story? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's where that's where I was kind of angling it from on my list. Right. Cool, no. Maxwell. How about you? What do you? Would you? How did you consider the idea of children's horror in making your list? You know, I I too looked at some lists and uh, I, you know I tried to keep it more focused on movies that I thought were actually designed for children, um, and then I did pick a few others that maybe push the boundaries a little bit in case, as I'm expecting, there's some overlap between our lists. But you know, I, I really thought back to me. When I was a kid and how pretty much anything scared me. I mean, Jumanji scared the hell out of me um, when I was a kid. It scared Not me that too that's... with its shittiness, but uh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that CG um, doesn't stand up, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's on my list, but right. so I really tried to think about that and, and what me as an eight, seven, eight-year-old would have been okay watching and still found a little spooky but not freaked me out. And then a couple others that, you know, maybe are PG-13 or a little pushing the limits more, but I still think have an in- that would be interesting or enjoyable for kids and not too gory. How about you, Abe? I kind of follow with Brandon. It certainly is a, a list of if you could leave a movie on and exit the room and the kids would be okay with it. Um, so while it might not have any blood in it, um, or not a lot, then that's kind of what I was going for. So again, if uh, if you're like eight years old and under, I mean, really doesn't matter if you are into it or not. But if it's eight years old and under, and and I can kind of leave it on and then uh, walk out, that's kind of how I approached it. I have about four guesses of what's on your list, and I'm going to be very excited if I get all of those right. Oh um, snap! So we'll see. If, 
If ET's on there, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked. That's not on mine, but that, no, that, that it's not would, on mine. Okay. Um, as far as my list goes, it's very similar to what you guys have been saying. I think it's. I mean, you say children's horror, and I think there's an obvious level of expectation for something like that. But I do. The given that yes, I don't have children of my own as of yet. Um, and Abe doesn't have any that he knows of. Um, nope. It's a it's a matter of um, <laughs> you can't you can't you know you can't adjust for something you don't necessarily know. You can only make assumptions, and so I don't you know <clears throat> that this podcast is a standard bearer for what's going to be a good children's horror movie or not. Although I'll be happy to put that in the running. Um, make notes, podcast awards out there. I guess, but um, I I tried to make a list where like you just said, Abe, like I'd be comfortable leaving kids like leaving the room to let the kids watch but at the same time i wanted to make a list where if like if i was running like a film festival or like a like a day of horror films for you know a younger audience these would be the five films that i'd want people to watch like i want the, like the, all the kids to enjoy and i think that's that's what i went for with this one i think it's a, i think i think i have a fun list here so yeah it's certainly not and we've talked about this in the past but it's certainly not or at least my list isn't specifically like the best um, that said, I like I love all of these movies, so I have no problem with this. But like, it's not it wasn't me trying to make like a top five list of like the best children's horror movies of all time. Well, that'd be impossible. I, yeah. <laughs> we have, we've revised it like every year. Oh yeah, for sure. I, but I, I but you know what I'm saying. Like I'm not I yeah. wasn't setting out to make a top five list based off like <clears throat> absolute quality. It's just more of like these are five films that I want to put a spotlight on, which we've done in the past on this show as far as these episodes yeah. go. So that you know, it's not about making a ranking. It's just more about making a a, ser- a listing a series of films that you want to put some attention towards because they deserve some it. good bounce off topics. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so with all that, let's start. Let's start with Maxwell. Maxwell, what's the first film on your list? Oh boy, I'm, I'm honored that I get to start. Um, well, Brandon was so... talking a lot, so you know, <laughs> Brandon never shuts up. So. Um, all right, and again, you know, like you said, these are not what I would necessarily the best, although they are all films I like. Um, and the first one uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit is Casper. Oh, okay. Um, and this one um, I bring up uh, in particular because I recall we took a school field trip to go see this in the theaters. Um, we all got on the school buses and drove to the theater and saw it. Um, and I watched it fairly recently, and, you know, it's still fairly enjoyable. It has a, a good spooky tone to it. Um, there's some stuff in there that's actually pretty creepy when you spend maybe a little too long thinking about it. Um, and then... You know, the ghosts are also fairly goofy. So I think it does a good job of being a, like a super introductory haunted house ghost movie um, that is, you know, <coughs> has some good jokes and funny stuff for kids and just a little bit of spookiness that may like get them interested in exploring more uh, serious, you know, haunted house type films. I think um, what, what works with that one is that it's an Amblin film, like it's an Amblin production, like it has Spielberg's name on it. And then... Sure. And I'm trying to, Brandon, maybe you know this offhand. Do you remember what, like, the last, because like, obviously, like, the Amblin brand, that kind of ended around the 80s, although Casper was from 19, what, 95? Um, do you remember, like, what was there? I mean, obviously, Amblin's existed, but there certainly seemed to be, like, a peak period of Amblin movies, and then they kind of died off for a while, as hmm. far as what you're getting. Is there? Oh, it's like the mid-80s was, like, their big peak. Like, their I mean... peak, but, like, there's still things popping up, and so I was... I'm trying mm-hmm. to think. I'm trying to think this through as I'm saying it, because like Casper seems like a later entry, but I, but that's what you're saying, Maxwell. I agree with you. Where it's it it does have some edge to like. There's some if you put it in the right like um, atmosphere, it does have some kind of spookiness there. It is a ghost movie after all. Yeah, yeah. Who, I mean, who, oh, go ahead. I was I was saying uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That was that was one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
you know, awesome. again, defining children's horror is obviously a tricky thing. And, you know, I tried to stay away from movies I would ne- like say are pure horror movies because I think the metric of would you leave this on and leave the room for your kids or, you know, nieces and nephews or whatever is really interesting. And Casper, I think, is one where I would feel generally fine, you know, leaving the room and, and not thinking there's anything in it too scary or, or disturbing. But still, you know, it's spooky and 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 um, has those elements that I think blend well between the more adventure and blendy tone and some spookiness. And it has the first best Dan Aykroyd Ghostbuster cameo. <laughs> That's, That's right, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know the cast is really good. You have uh, Bill Pullman and Christina Ricci and Devin Sawa in there uh, as Casper. So Devin Sawa floating. By the way, yeah. Okay. By the way, you... Kathy Moriarty as the as like the villain in the movie. Yeah, well, that's a yeah. villain. That's a villainous name right there. Moriarty. Ra- Raging Bulls, Kathy Moriarty, back for more in Casper. No, but but Maxwell, you touched upon it, which is that when you when you watch it now as an adult, you think back to yeah, it, it seemed pretty innocuous in '95 and wherever the case, but you know that woman falls like 30 floors and then she dies, and it's really like wow. Uh, yeah, no, she comes back as like a blue ghost, but you know, it's it's cool, I guess. Yeah, there, so, it, it there's dabble, some it, violent deaths in there. It dabbles in the macabre. I agree. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. And again, I, I think it's a great introduction to this type of paranormal ghost haunted house mm-hmm. horror film. <clears throat> it, it has a lot of the tropes that you come to expect in that executed in a more family friendly, funny way. Brandon, what's your first pick? It's probably unintentionally horror. But this movie, like, scared the piss out of me, still kind of does. Uh, Return to Oz. Okay, yeah. The uh, the uh, Disney Disney uh, sequel to uh, The Wizard of Oz uh, with Furries of Bulk, where she uh, starts out in an institution uh, getting shock treatment because of her memories of uh, going to Oz. Aunt May thinks she's crazy and has put her in an institution where, yeah, shock treatment. Uh, which on one night she ends up escaping and returning to Oz, where Oz has been uh, basically post-apocalypse. Everything bad has happened there. Uh, they have these creatures called the wheelies, which are uh, nightmares on four wheels. Uh, their hands and feet are wheels. They have really creepy masks and faces under them. Uh, the villain is a witch who um, has multiple heads that she keeps in a trophy room and changes them. Uh, there's a their giant rock creature. It's all very creepy. It's all unsettling and i think it wasn't intended to be as uh dark as it came across but man that that movie i still get the willies thinking about things with it (laughs) this was coming in around the same time as like dark crystal and labyrinth right so it's like it's not in those words those aren't disney those are yeah disney was disney was a ways away from uh 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 the little mermaid at this point yeah it was in like it was after like black cauldron and like black the black hole, a lot of blacks. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was Where's like, Marcus. It was <laughs> throwing the Great Mouse Detective time. Yeah, exactly. Which also has its own, you know, share of darkness as far. Yeah, as it does. Yeah, the the great, I mean, look at the cover for that for that movie. But yeah, Return to Oz is, I think, it's a fitting pick. It does have kind of a, a, a kind of scariness that maybe not intended, but certainly fits. You know, like a yeah, fantasy uh, horror. The, the design of the movie is. I would say the same about the, la- the uh, labyrinth, where that's a movie I think that has a yeah. lot of imagery as yeah. well. That yeah. when I was younger, I, have I told this story before, Abe? The, the reaction I, I had the labyrinth. I don't. I, I think you may have mentioned like just one or twice. I once had, or twice. I re- I'm sorry to go way off topic from Return to Oz, but I, I saw Labyrinth like in theaters like a few years back, 
uh, like in like after 2010, sometime around there. And mm-hmm. I hadn't, and I, to my knowledge, I thought I had not seen Labyrinth, or if I had, I just couldn't remember it. And when I saw Labyrinth, it got to that scene with the the what is it the fire things that like throw their heads around, and I. <laughs> And I had a weird reaction as if, like, I had blocked this out of my mind because it terrified me as a child. Like, that was the reaction I had, too. As if, like, that, as if, like, that's, no. that's scary. Yeah, I was like, what, why, like, I, it was like, I was almost, like, sweating. It was like, what's happening? I was like, what? Why I worked I... so hard to hide this in well, my brain. <laughs> the repressed memories are back. Right. Yeah. Um, I think this is a, a really good pick, Brandon. This is one that I used to spend hours browsing blockbuster and to this day it takes me longer to pick what movie i'm going to watch and then i don't have time to watch anything um so it's been hours browsing and i remember seeing this one i was like oh i like the wizard of oz oh there's a a sequel and then i brought it home and i was like oh 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 my god this is oh my god and like hiding under the covers because it was so freaky unexpectedly ah i'll get this for the kids they like the wizard of oz this is probably some silly little movie nightmares yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 freaky stuff. It, it 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 yeah. Hey, what's your first pick? My first pick is one of my favorite movies that I can watch over and over again. It is Coraline, and yep. uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, we've we've talked about this many times. I, I enjoy it quite a bit, but the themes in there are very dark. And as a child, you're I think you you're kind of uh, maybe maybe not, but um, you're kind of enamored with the lights and kind of the the cool neonness of it. But you're also kind of uh, into the claymation or the stop animation of it. But um, the ideas behind the story are pretty sinister, actually. There is another mother who is made of metal, and she she'll she'll kidnap kids, kill them for their eyeballs. And their bodies are still rotting somewhere, which is like, whoa, I was not expecting any of this. And I'm super bummed out. I didn't I never watched it in 3D in the theaters because uh, from what I hear, I missed out on one of the best 3D movies. Oh, no, that 3D, 3D was great. And I got the 3D Blu-ray, which um, which has the blue. It was before 3D became a thing. So I have the uh-huh. red and blue go- glasses that come with the yeah. Blu-ray. That's <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, a great movie. I mean, it's yep. <laughs> it's. Uh, that was on it's, my. To be clear, I was that was on my list. I had for you. No, that's, that's. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yes, but it's I, certainly it's. I mean, Neil Gaiman traffics in horror for sure, and yeah. it's it's been interesting to see him kind of, you know, as a, as an author as well as a, I mean, I guess producer in in, in films or whatnot. As far as how his work is moved <clears> crossed over, it's been neat to see him use kind of young adult fare as well as adult fare fiction and kind of and work his horror themes as well as his fantasy themes and everything else he kind of incorporates into his writing. Um, Coraline certainly I mean that is that is a horror movie I mean it just it happens to be done in stop motion it happens it it happens to you know be made for a certain audience but I mean you can make that film a little bit differently and it's just you know a pretty rough horror movie for adults right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I mean certainly so and I don't know if you would really omit anything from it that would be like okay well now it's just rated PG uh is actually is it rated PG or PG-13 it's PG PG. So I don't know what you would take out of it to make it rated G. It just would not be the same movie well, at all. Just, but it's just the mood of the film in general. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Uh, the first film that I have on my list is King Kong. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Peter Jackson's King Kong. <laughs> um, I went. I'm. <laughs> 
I mean, you know that it's one of my favorite movies, so I made a it lot is, hard yeah. press to not know, talk about that. Is. But that movie, yeah. it doesn't really function as horror in the same way as the first original King Kong, 1933 mm-hmm. King Kong does, where it is a monster movie. It is giving you this, you know, it gets this, especially for for children. I mean, the setup's rather quick. Um, I would say the the kind of the escalation to the monster and the fright scene in Fay Ray, as far as her reaction to Kong, like it builds and gets you that kind of delivery on okay, there's this giant thing here that's terrorizing people and eventually just squishing and eating the natives and what have you. Like it, it there's some there's horror imagery in this movie. It is a monster yeah. film. I mean, it's 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 weird how monster films. You say monster movie over horror movie a lot of times, where you don't really necessarily link the two genres, even though obviously it's a monster movie, it's a horror film. And yeah. King Kong, obviously, there's a separation of Kong that from like things like Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, and the creature, and whatnot, because they're those are they're actually like villains trying to do, or you know, some of them. There, there's mis, there's a misunderstanding going on, but <clears throat> in some of them, and the others are nefarious. And King Kong is certainly this kind of misunderstood creature, mm-hmm. but that doesn't take away from the fact that it is kind of is involved in terrorizing a city, whether, you know, on purpose or not. Um, and it's also just a great movie. I mean, it's King Kong. It, the the stop motion, you're talking about Coraline stop motion effects. King Kong right. is, you know, one of the four King Kong is great. It's, it's a fantastic film all around. And it's, you know, it's a fairly quick watch. Like, you get you get to the point, you get, see, you get some stock character types, and they all work uh, as well as they need to. And, yeah, no, for I, that, that'd be a fun one to, like, kind of, because I certainly had the same experience where I saw King Kong when I was very young and always enjoyed mm-hmm. the Kong character. And I, you know me, Abe, I'm a very big Kong fan. I'm a Kong enthusiast, as seen <laughs> by the various incarnations of Kong over the many years. Right. Um, and yeah, I think King Kong... Is, is, is he still around on the Universal tour? Um, there is still... Well, yeah, there's the Peter Jackson's King Kong experience now, which is this awesome. Ah, uh, okay. It's a 363 not, not experience. Tour. No, it is on the tram tour. It's a part of the tram oh, still. tour. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Didn't didn't the like uh, sort of the original part of it on the tram tour burn down when it had the fire a couple years back? Yeah, that that aspect of it burned down. They like the con- like yeah. the, it was the seventies Kong for the Universal right. when they incorporated. Yeah. Right, it. and they used to have the ride at Universal uh, Orlando Kong Frontation. Um, <laughs> is that, is that what I hope someone got a raise for yeah. that title, Kong so, Yeah, it's called Kong Frontation. Huh. That's amazing. Again, the, back to the theme of little Maxwell being scared of everything. I remember my sister, I can't remember, I was you know, seven or eight, whatever, literally dragging me to get on the ride because I was so scared. Yeah. And I had a great time. And you were you were in like a an old like tram car. It was, it was based off the 70s. The yeah. 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 Because it was yeah, universal. It was, so, it was a yeah. great ride. And the animatronic was spectacular. I'm looking at it. Um, now it's right The now. Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Right. But they did open a new King Kong ride last year. Oh, yeah, um, I heard this. At uh, Islands of Adventure, that's more of a 3D screen motion-based ride where you get in this van and you travel through uh, Skull Island. But this the end of Spider-Man? the ride, uh, yeah, okay. yeah, more similar to that in terms of the tech. But the end does still have an incredibly, uh, inc- uh, like amazingly designed scale animatronic of Kong's head that you get right up with, and you can feel the breath coming out of his nostrils. Oh, cool. Yeah. So Kong is scary. All right. Well, Maxwell, what's your next pick? Okay. So my next pick um, is an oldie but a goodie that has been sort of messed around with a lot and shown in in different ways, but in its original uh, incarnation was uh, called The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. Which is, is, I think, holds a certain relevance to three of the four people 
on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, this pod- I don't know why, but uh, I know that <laughs> this, this podcast does feature the entire crew from the Ichapod Crane cast, of course. Yeah. So. Yes. R.I.P. Um, so th- this was uh, the 11th uh, feature uh, animated film that Walt Disney put out. And uh, it was two shorts packaged together. You had um, uh, an adaptation of The Wind in the Willows, which is the Mr. Toad part, and then an adaptation of Washington Irving is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Like 30, 35 minutes as a segment. And I think I remember first seeing it like as a special on the Disney Channel uh, mm-hmm. in the early 90s. They'd break it apart and air it around Halloween time. And, you know, it, the first half of it has a fairly goofy tone. But, but by the halfway point, when they go to the Halloween party and then the horseman comes in after, there's this really incredibly beautifully drawn sequence where Ichabod is on his horse going through the woods. And it, it's pretty creepy. It's effective. Yeah. Um, the sound design and and all the different little uh, you know adventures that occur definitely could scare some children and you know you have Bing Crosby narrating it and singing and it's just it's a it's a great little uh, like dose of horror that I think really young kids could probably watch and enjoy but still get a little little fright out of. It. I well, do you remember agree. we were talking about rides, Mister Toad's Wild Ride at. Disney World. That it's, the end of that's scary. Yes, and they still have it in Disneyland, it's and Disneyland. it's pretty great. It's my it's my favorite ride at Disneyland. So um, <laughs> just to... I was actually. It's funny. I wore my Mr. Toad's Wild Ride 28 in Main T-shirt on Saturday when I went to Sleepy Hollow to the haunted house called the Horseman's Hollow. So, <laughs> okay. unbeknownst to me, I was uh, representing both aspects of this Disney animated film. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a pretty pretty good haunted house. They do it every year right there in Sleepy Hollow. So seeing like the headless horseman and all this different stuff in Sleepy Hollow has a cool uh, connotation to it. Nice that yeah that and the uh, the Wicked Witch and Snow White chasing you in the boat freaked me out when I was little. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention you know if you look back at a lot of the early Disney animated movies, there's not the entire films, but there's sequences within them that definitely play a lot on um, like the tropes and designs of the early horror films like um snow white and the the um the witch and even maleficent and sleeping beauty mm-hmm. there's some, some scenes that the way that they're animated the sound design the faces um, the use of lighting the faces are are fairly creepy oh, yeah. and, and I, one of the things that made walt disney and his team of seven old men and the animators so good at what they do and such great storytellers is that when it came down to have the more intense moments in their children's films they didn't cut any corners. I mean, mm-hmm. looking back now, uh, there's stuff that's very uh, creepy, and that makes the films resonate more. Um, and not to go on too much of like a, a rant, but when you look at uh, certain other animated films released more recently, I think they treat children too much like children when they could take more risks, and that's why Coraline is such a, another great example of that. Mm-hmm. Dave well, that uh, it kind of reminds me uh, with how fairy tales were treated. Do you guys remember uh, Fairy Tale Theater that had Shelley Duvall hosting it at all? That rings a bell, I but I don't have a vague. It was very. Recall. It looked very much like stage productions, but they would do fairy tales. But they would do them as they were cold, creep, and it was kind of a creepy vibe just because of the the narrative, of the story, like you know, uh, with the Little Mermaid turning into like a foam thing in the water at the end because she didn't wasn't able to fulfill uh, whatever prophecy thing and they were just like cold like that but there was like an eeriness to those just because of how they kept to it and with the the weird stage setups but that was a 
That was interesting. You know what you mentioned, Maxwell, um, the kind of inherent, well, you said, just heard the word eerie, the inherent eeriness that came with a lot of older Disney animations. I think it helped because the, the stakes felt high. You know what I mean? Like it's mm, Pinocchio. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, if they didn't escape the situation, they'd be a donkey forever or stuck inside of a whale or <laughs> yeah. Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty would be, you know, sleeping and presumably dead if they don't like go after this thing or Snow yeah. White just is unconscious for the rest of her life because this horrible old lady did this bad thing to her. Like there's yeah. the kind of the consequence of these things adds to, you know, added to the addition Ab- of absolutely. Like, animation. I think Pinocchio is a great example. People laugh sometimes when I, when I, say that I genuinely think Pinocchio is one of the greatest films ever made, but it's because the stakes are so legitimate. And because even though there's the great songs and there's lots of good humor and you have Jiminy Cricket and all this wonderful stuff, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the stakes and the adventure and the storytelling, it, it it's legit. It doesn't pander at all. I mean, even Bambi. Bambi is yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's dark I and... never rewatched that. That's too sad. Destroys me. Well, I, I mean, I, I can't watch Dumbo, so I mean, I like I, I, I oh, like I legit don't want to watch yeah. Dumbo, mainly because of the sadness, not because of the scariness. Although when I was younger, again, that was one where it's like there's some weird imagery going I, on in Dumbo that I can't get a hold of. <laughs> I like Dumbo, but it's it's sort of like the inherent racism in certain aspects that bother me now. Yeah, that that's also a factor I consider. <laughs> like, why do I not want to watch Dumbo again? Well, one, it scared me as a child. Two, there are some things with those crows that I don't quite get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Here comes Tim Burton's version, 2019. But um, anyway, <laughs> oh, gosh. Brandon, what's your next uh, pick? I'm going to go with I, I, uh, one my children both love, uh, Beetlejuice. Oh. It's in horror oh, that comedy. Was on my list. That was on my list. Got to move it. But, <laughs> uh, but but that one, they they like it. The the adult jokes, they don't understand. They don't care. They don't get They don't make any any beef to it. It's got... Well, one one really bad word, but oh well, they they don't repeat it, and it's it's got a lot of goofy looking horror imagery, some you know, scary parts, funny parts, and they think Beetlejuice is kind of funny too. But that Michael Keaton, it. yeah, Michael Keaton did some mm-hmm. great work there. The whole, I mean, you want to talk about the horror in that movie? I mean, before you even get there, you know, Michael Keaton's only in it for like twenty minutes. The right. the, the rest of the movie, peep, you know, two people die and they come back as yeah, ghosts it, and they make some horrible right, faces right. trying to get these people out oh of my their God. house. Yeah. <laughs> horrible yeah. faces. Well, it, I, I, it actually always spooked me out when when their car when the dog runs off the little you know the piece wood. of wood. Yeah. Their car falls and they go home and they're like you know they're Adam. Or not Adam. I guess his name is Adam. In no, the his name is Adam. Yeah, yeah, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say Alec Baldwin. He's doing the horse thing in the in the mirror, and like you just don't see it. You don't see them. You just see the horse. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. And then when, when they draw the door and they go into the, the the land of the dead, I was like, what is this? I always felt really bad at the end when um when Otho is um like get doing a terrible suit. He's doing well. Oh yeah, obviously that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> the proto cam. From Modern Family, um, but uh, <laughs> uh, but no, when he's when he's doing the incantations or whatever, and it's like making them like become skeletons inside the old suit, the old wedding. Um, oh yeah, 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 and it's like like Tim Burton. That's like and that because we've, we've talked about Beetlejuice before, where it's like the yeah. movie has a Wait, really don't, don't say his name again. He's gonna come. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better, better the Beetle guys has a has a very thin plot. Like there's there's almost no story here beyond like we need to do this thing. It's all about like set pieces and imagination, but it really works. That's why it's so watchable. It's so easy to right. like, just get into that movie and dig into like this kind of imagination that Burton was unleashing onto the world back in his kind of 
well, really kind of his prime. I mean, yeah, is, that and Pee Wee's yeah. Big Adventure. Yeah, was, yeah. And, yeah and was, Edward Scissorhands. Well, I, like, I mean, it's, yeah. Like, Burton was. I was looking through this list. I'm like, man, Tim Burton was like the man with making like uh, all ages kind of horror films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there, you wouldn't you would jump to them as horror, but they they have they're designed. They deal with horror things, but they they kind of handle the manner in a way that's comedic, or gets just scary enough, makes a kid feel like they're watching a, something a little more uh adult than they should be when they're you know it's really not but it doesn't make the adults feel like they're watching something dumb either he's got this really unique uh line that's there that nobody else really touches upon i mean regardless of quality you could still argue he is still doing that i mean yeah I mean, no he's it, not it, stopped, it hasn't, yeah. hasn't gone away from i mean it's you yeah. could argue there's there's some i mean there's I mean, misses here and there, not... but, he, but the kind of the films he's still making they do hit at those same ideas and themes and whatnot. I mean, right. the practical. Right. I mean, you you can argue for the practical effects, Brandon, which I know you would anyway. But the uh, right, the efforts there for him to kind of explore various versions of his psyche, I think, on screen. Yeah. Also, I back to he... Beetlejuice, I think that the score really helps out a lot too. Oh, yeah. I mean, the score it gets eerie. It also it plays up quite a bit with like the the trombones and whatever else from Danny Elfman. So it's really well done. Yeah, he's he's found a way to make the the grotesque into some sort of like beautiful art. Mm-hmm. Uh, rendition where yeah, I mean there's a lot of gross stuff in Tim Burton's film but you're like oh that looks really cool or that's that's really mm-hmm. really fancy like, or... like I, I've always loved the the sculptures that Catherine O'Hara's character makes like those yeah. are just interesting looking to me like they never really scared me when they start coming alive I just really like yeah. the look of them like it was just neat well you know Lydia's a flake yeah. <laughs> and let's not let's of course not it would be it'd be it'd, it would be terrible for us not to mention the great work of Harry Belafonte making its appearance in Beetlejuice. I mean, there's just having Deo and, yes. and uh, yeah. Shake, 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 Sonora. I mean, those are just fantastic <laughs> songs that everybody knows probably because of Beetlejuice. Be because of Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Beetlejuice did spin into a kid's cartoon that ran it like did, five yeah. seasons. Yeah, which so, I watched. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I watched watch it. I was actually going to bring it up because I was like, you know, that kid's cartoon was way different from the tone of the movie because Beetlejuice is your is your buddy here now yeah. with uh, Lydia and, or I, I'm sorry, not, not Lydia. Um, yeah, what's Lydia. the daughter's name? Is it's it Lydia? Lydia. Lydia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. Lydia. So now they're just like having this buddy adventure. Whereas the movie, it's like they're they're antagonists. Well, one thing's for sure though, regardless of how well the cartoon series did, the thing we don't need is a sequel to Beetlejuice. No. Uh, every no. every t- like once again it hit the news, like a new writer's been putting on a Beetlejuice, and it's like they've been attaching writers to Beetlejuice since the nineties. Like this is not a thing that's about to happen. Right. And you don't want this. This is not there's no version of this movie that's like, Oh yeah, we did need this sequel. That's just not a thing. Like this... You know what I would accept? Is if if Tim if he Burton went, made... if he went Hawaiian like they, well, like no they no no if, if Tim Burton made some sort of like anthology film that had little shorts kind of oddly catching up with some of his old characters oh and he's like I take I take like I take like a ten minute like Beetlejuice little skirmish that you know had no bearing on being a sequel or anything just a uh, a little fun Beetlejuice sketch if he was the MC t- if he was the Tom Atkins it... of, of right. this anthology series that'd be you know what you say that out loud that sounds like a great idea I'd love to see Tim Burton just do many short films using his like sort of like a waking what waking life was for link later he could do with his people yeah that'd be interesting that sounds great though like the idea of tim burton on it like introducing new characters as well as exploring old ones that's he's like right let's get let's get timmy on the line yeah (laughs) Tim, Tim, you know call us we got an idea for you yeah that's right tim calls us yeah (laughs) i i I think it's interesting how many of the films we mentioned so far found their way into theme parks in some way or another 
Right, yeah. Like, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice had a pretty uh, heavy uh, influence show. at Universal Studios also, that rock and roll yeah. review and all sorts of stuff. Which, yeah. Because if you wanted to see Beetlejuice again, the obvious way would be because he's a rock star and you just want to see him perform on stage. Hey, that, that show was awesome. And I'm sorry. No, it was. Fun. I agree yeah, no, with no, you. No. It's just funny that I, that's like, that was the go-to way to, they, how do we harness this power? Make it into a rock show. <laughs> they closed it in Florida to make way for a Fast and the Furious ride, which like, mm. we'll see. Because well, uh, yeah, there was the Beetlejuice show. There was the uh, the horror. Uh, There's like a horror makeup. makeup show. There was the yeah. the Foley one with Chevy Chase and Martin Short, and then there was the uh, Alfred Hitchcock show. And there was a Ghostbusters uh, show also. Hmm. That was a Ghostbusters. Yeah. Show? Huh. Yeah. We had Blues Brothers. The Alfred Hitchcock one was great, where they recreated the shower scene from Psycho. Yeah. And then you did that a 3D great. with the birds, and yeah. yeah. And then you could film yourself doing the vertical fall. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, they, they, really had, yeah cool. they had that the Hollywood one as well. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Abe, what's your next pick? My next pick is Gremlins. It is a movie that I watched originally. It's a Christmas horror movie, but at the same time, it's a movie that I watched originally on TV. So I had never had any real uh, knowledge of you know the the teacher getting stabbed in the in the classroom. And also some of the more, I guess, other image, horrific images uh, on the screen because it was all edited. So when I watched it later as like a teenager, I was like, what movie did I see when I was like eight? Uh, But one of the best things about it is um, the tone of it. And the tone of it is, yeah, it's it's his family, but it's also got the voice narration of of the father. And then I love how he goes to Chinatown uh, because I was like, you know, me being Asian, I was like, oh, it's cool. I'm being represented on the screen kind of thing. Uh, the despite, mustache despite, and everything. Yeah, <laughs> despite the fact that we're the ones that... <laughs> in a wildly <laughs> stereotypical fashion, yeah. Right, yeah, as a grandfather just, like, you know, smoking his opium with... Like, to his be fair, lime. you're wearing the hat right now, so, I mean, it's... <laughs> oh. But, uh, no, I, I enjoy Gremlins a lot because of the, um, the fun nature of it, but also... It's got some. It's got some spooky images that uh, that you can't really unsee. What I'm thinking about is like when the gremlins start boiling, and you know things are just hopping out, and and then also when uh, when they start uh, pops out of the pool, it just like evaporates into a pool of grossness and uh, and bones. But um, I enjoy gremlins quite a bit. I, I would watch it from time to time and again. And also I love the um, the song in the intro when he's running to to his job uh, by. Uh, What's her name? Where he's running through Hill Valley in the snow? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Darlene uh, something. Um, but anyway, I, I I do enjoy that movie quite a bit. Well, yeah, Gremlins is a Gremlins is a great one, um, which I'm always happy to watch. That's a it's mm-hmm. and let's not let's be remiss if we didn't mention Gremlins too, the new batch, which is also enjoyable. <laughs> is that the one where they actually do the hand puppets on the screen, or is that's that Gremlins? A, that's Gremlins. Oh. Well, they both have movie theater scenes. Yeah, they do. Okay. <laughs> um, but one okay. involves Hulk Hogan. Well, I know there's a hand puppet in the bar. Like, there's a gremlin in the bar, and he does a hand puppet next to one of the gremlins at the bar, at, like, the actual bar table, and he's like, mm-hmm. burr, burr, burr. like, he does that. There might be one in the theater in the second one, too. I can't, I think it's the second one where they have, like, the Abraham Lincoln and the bunny rabbits. Well, that sounds like two all over. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds pretty gremlins, too, to me. <laughs> but, uh, uh, um. Joe, Joe Dante is another filmmaker that a lot of his stuff is like more child friendly horror stuff. If you For look sure. at some of his other work, oh, yeah, like Matinee, or even The Hole from a couple yeah. years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, what's it? Uh, small soldiers, um, which is, I mean, it's not as inherently scary as gremlin creatures, but I mean, it follows that plot very specifically. Yeah, or even like yeah. the burbs, which the burbs, the burbs, yeah, the burbs, great example. Like I, I didn't know what was happening there, and then at the end there, I was like, whoa, this is really getting off the rails. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're, they're, <laughs> the nature of who they are. Yes, it, uh, yeah. There's some, there's some, there's some switches, and in, yeah. like he's from that Spielberg club. Like, so he did, like, a Twilight Zone movie part, right? And, yeah. Um, yes. And uh, he did episodes of Erie, Indiana, which you mentioned, Max. He right? did. Yeah. He sure did. And, of course, The Howling, which is not for kids, but still. <laughs> right. Piranha. Piranha. Yeah. He set um, the stage for James Cameron, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he laid, he laid down the groundwork yeah, for that one. Yep. Um, all right. My next uh, film, uh, Brandon, you mentioned um, the, the Universal... Uh, monsters um and i was I, I had a number on this list from like i could go with this one or that one but i figured why not just go with like a bunch of them so i have abbott and costello meet frankenstein oh, um, which, oh. i mean this, this movie is hilarious for one thing mm-hmm. but and we mentioned this before on the show um and you've noted this in your kind of retrospective about uh, some of these various monsters but there's some legit like terror in these movies i'm not gonna say it's to the points of like man you you can't look you have to look away because of how frightening it is but there's stuff with like the wolf man the suspense um, in it yeah yeah there's, there's, there's suspense good way to, yeah thank you that's the word I'm looking for there's suspense in the film that actually capitalizes off the idea of having these monsters interacting with these comedic characters um and it's also i mean it was it's almost the avengers of its day by having these characters all together and where a climax is all of them are fighting and bursting through walls and everything like it's a great it's a really great mm-hmm. movie and it, mm-hmm. it's hilarious i mean it's abbott and costello and these various comedic situations but you also have these classic movie monsters that are all on the i mean you have frank frankenstein's monster dracula uh, and the wolfman um maybe some other cameos as well um but that all just make the presence like this is really cool to see something like this i couldn't i can't imagine being like you know younger and seeing these movies you know from a different time and seeing these movies were like wow they had a movie with all of these guys in one and it's supposed to be funny like that that'd be i'd, I'd see a sense of thrill in getting something like that coming out to theaters yeah it was the last it, it saved abbott casella's careers and it also gave one last uh big breath of life into the monsters and i think it's this movie that helps make those monsters become the Halloween direct decorations we have today. Mm. Like, uh, because they had, they were scary. They, they sort of fell off in the thirties. And then towards the end of the thirties, uh, they did son of Frankenstein, which brought everything back. And then they had the Wolfman, which was a big hit. And they started bringing them all back and they started falling again. So then they did Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. And that once again, they started these rally films where they had more than one. They had house of house of Dr- Frankenstein, house of Dracula, and House of Dracula is terrible, so that they were on the way down. And then Abbott Costello, like five years later, resurrect the the rally film, but add comedy to it. That <laughs> and it, it I mean, yeah, like you just said, Abbott, Abbott Costello in particular, that that was a hit. Like it was, a, it was a, oh, it's huge. It was a huge. I mean, it, it started. Like, it was a, it was, Abbott Costello meets became like the thing. They did the Mummy. They did Invisible Man. They did a TV special with the creature from the Black Lagoon. They, I mean... Age of Ultron. I mean, it all worked out. It was... Uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was oh, they, 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 one was Abba Costello meets Boris Karloff was one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just him chilling at his house in his chair. It's like, hey guys. Like, oh, would you guys like cookies? <laughs> I've got cookies, you guys. <laughs> Alright, Maxwell, what's, uh, what's another pick from you? Okay, so my next film, uh, and I'm noticing a lot of trends here, which is very interesting, is uh, a more recent Amblin uh, production, uh, and it is Monster House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that which, movie a lot. 
is a really, really cool and creepy uh, motion capture animated film that uh, both Spielberg and Zemeckis uh, co-produced. Um, I remember not having many expectations for it, not knowing what to think about it. The few fully motion capture animated films that had come prior left me a little cold because yep. of Uncanny Valley stuff. And I felt like this was the first one that uh, sort of nailed the uh, technological approach to it and making it fully successful from beginning to end. Um, it, it has the, all the like things you expect a good Amblin movie to nail, like the nerdy young kids who have a great friendship that you really fall for and you care about them. And it has some really, really, really creepy imagery in uh, Nevercracker's house. Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Steve Buscemi is super duper creepy. Mm-hmm. No, it's just, again, it's another film that I think draws a lot from the history of horror and sort of meshes it in a way that's more accessible for children. Um, but it's super well done, really enjoyable. And it takes place on Halloween. So I think it's sort of an unsung uh, Halloween classic as well, because it's 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 good stuff. This mm-hmm. is a film Abe and I talk about seemingly quite a bit on this podcast. We champion the hell out of it. It's and, a better it movie. And uh, it is a better it. Movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, and I know Abe, you're. I assume this would be on your list, actually. If it was, it actually is. I think. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I. The what I really I mean, in addition to the things you all just mentioned, you Maxwell, you just kind of went over. I think the Nebercracker character, um, there's a great level of sympathy that they apply to him. Like the, the yes. kind of what you realize about what's going on is a really good reveal. I think I really like the kind of the way it progresses. And I'm exactly with you as far as motion capture goes. This was the film that did it for me. Like the ones beforehand, like Polar Express, I was just like, okay, I get it, but it's like this is. This isn't working for me as far as this, this is an aesthetic I need to keep seeing. This one, what I think helped is that it it didn't try to be real. It, like, it didn't really try to bridge an uncanny, valley, an uncanny valley gap. It just tried to be its own thing. It has very stylized and heightened. And it works. It works for that reason, I think. It has a great look to it, like you mentioned. It has this great kind of atmosphere throughout. The designs are really weird and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, this is this movie. And I saw it in 3D in theaters. I was like, this, oh, is, nice. a, this is a great experience. I really like this monster house. Yeah. And then Beowulf came and... out the year after. I'm like, fuck, yeah, this is what I wanted. Good <laughs> 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 job, Zemeckis. Um, you know, after seeing this, I remember being really excited to see where the career of Gil Kennan would go, the director. And it hasn't really gone anywhere, so it sort of makes me wonder just how involved Zemeckis and Spielberg were. Yeah, he made uh, what's it? He made City of Ember, the the other which one. was okay. Yeah, that yeah that was one of the better ones that came out around that time of like. And he did and that stuff. awful, awful, awful remake of Poltergeist. Yeah, he did that Poltergeist. Ah, uh, 2014's Poltergeist. 2015. Which uh, and 15. I thought uh, he was an inspired choice based on this to yeah. attempt that. It, um, it was oh. the one-two punch of like Gil Kanan, Sam Rockwell, Poltergeist. That could work, and then it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Jared Harris's magical bag. That he must have only has a piece of rope in it. You remember more about that movie than I do. <laughs> <laughs> also, that just pissed uh, me. I remember that's one of the things that pissed me off so much. He he just had uh, the rope remember. handy. Yeah, he's talking about he has like a like a old fashioned like doctor's house call medicine style bag, and it's like set up as like the most important bag, and like it has all of his like tricks and all of the the tools he needs, and he opens it up, and what does he pull out of it? Rope. Magic Lasso, I'm a movie proud. (laughs) (laughs) But about Monster House, what I like about it a lot is um, I I was with you, Maxwell. I wasn't – 
I, I remember seeing previews for it, and I didn't see it in theaters, but I was like, oh, there's this is nothing, you know, this is nothing cool or impressive. And I watched it later on video, and I was like, this is another movie that I made a mistake not watching in theaters. Because um, this, the storyline, I love the, the companionship of the three characters, but uh, the arc that Nebercracker has is just like, I was not expecting that, and that actually made me feel a lot of sympathy for that character, and especially what he has to do. Um at the end of the movie, and it's like this is uh, this is like a movie that is kind of maybe underseen that maybe more people should uh, should watch. So I, I'm always going to champion Monster House. I think what did it yeah. was the Roger Ebert's review. I believe he gave it like a three and a half out of four stars, and it was like, yeah, he. I think that's that's what got me to go see it. This movie in theaters, I'm like, okay. If you know Roger Ebert's review on that, I'm definitely not playing the Roger Ebert. I know. I'm, I'm good <laughs> um, with the stars. Yeah. I'm good with his stars. Yeah. I, 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 like, I know. You're gonna well. you're gonna soup that game next week. <laughs> <laughs> I want to test it just to see how well I do. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting. We've all mentioned the sort of sympathy the film developed for Nebercracker because some of the, the best horror movies and, and the best storytelling uh, in horror movies goes beyond the horror and brings these like real life scenarios to it and it intrinsically ties the horror with something deeply, deeply sad. And that is the case with this film where what's going on and when you realize what's going on, it, it just has this whole other level to it that I think really resonated yeah. and, and made it just beyond being just a well-done kid's horror movie. It, it it has this, like, emotional core that hits pretty hard. I think it also... And speaks, also... It, I, sorry. I, go think, ahead. I think it also speaks to what kids see in something like this. And you, in addition to, like, the sadness, there's kind of a... Kids aren't... There's a quality where not all the time kids are aren't afraid of everything like they they see the good in something or they see the innocence and you can think of like the scene in frankenstein where the little girl goes to frankenstein because she's not yeah. afraid of him she just sees this big thing that's like i want to play with this yeah and, no and, apple did a great job remaking that for their holidays last year of course but i, I think you can find that kind of example <laughs> oh, yeah. in a lot of films in general where you have an, an inherent interest in one of these things as opposed to an you know an opposition to it you're not afraid of it you're just like i know i want to see what this is and i have a curiosity about it and I was going to say that uh, I, I quite enjoy uh, – I still use that line in Monster House whenever I have, like, a bottle there, and I'm like, don't drink that because, um, you know, sometimes uh, it's not an actually Mountain Dew. Yeah. Thank you, Abe. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Brandon, what's your next pick? I'm going to take a little bit more of a chance here. Um, little buzzy. Um, Mother, uh, Darren Aronofsky film. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, perfect. Yeah, that fits the theme. Uh, no, I, I think one film that I think that it's on my list here, uh, language aside, I think it'd be fine and terrifying would be the Blair Witch Project. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Because Explain. more so the older half of going to 10 years old, getting closer to 10 years old, but the movie has no gore. Um, it's very ghost story like, um, it doesn't show anything and, um, Aside from swearing, I mean, there's no, there's no really bad things for kids, and it's just a bunch, of, you know, kids getting out of the woods, and a kid, a younger age, could get really into what's going on here. It may might feel like a very adult film for them, but yeah. I could hear the shit out of a kid. Um, but it's, I I watched it recently um, when the um, Blair Witch came out. When Blair Witch came out, and I was I was surprised. I was like, you know what? If they weren't cussing this you know as much as they are i probably could show my kid this in a couple years you know like it's not really bad 
And I think I, that's, that's what I thought. That's still the only caveat that I have to. I mean, you're mentioning that it's like if they weren't cussing, well, it's like they are cussing, so it's hard for me. To they hear. are cussing. That's yeah. the thing. So yeah. it's close. But but my kids sometimes they don't. I don't know what they're like at their schools, but I don't get reports <laughs> that they're repeating bad language. But I mean, if you could watch them, be like, hey. They're going to say some bad things. It's because they're really scared here and stuff like that. And then they might be able to see it. But well, the, the airplane version of the Blair Witch Project is probably amazing then for kids. There you go. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it more steady? <laughs> they're like, you know, we're going to modify this so you don't get sick on the airplane. So yeah. it's, but it's, I'm not it's I'm not saying it's it's there. I'm saying it's close. It's it's sure. like almost like really there. I, I also have a couple of reaches and, you know, they're not they're not blur rich level, but um, my my kind of logic behind them is sort of aligned with yours. Yeah. Well, yeah, I see what you're saying, Brandon, and I, I would be curious to know what a younger audience would think of something like the Blair, if they would be into it as much as you say they were. That'd be my that'd be my only concern if they're into the kind of journey through the woods that's near endless before things start kind of happening. Hmm? What were you saying, uh, so? I was just gonna say, and I mean no like disrespect. This just feels like a little too much of a reach for me. I think because to me, horror goes beyond just content and forget the cussing. But when I think of how scared I was when I first saw it and how effective it was in its use of form language, um, I think it's just too intense for kids. Again, though, it's it's the type of thing where when people like my sisters who have kids ask me about movies I've seen, I, can, I never can answer because I think you have to know your kids and you have to know what you think they can handle. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's interesting you bring it up, and just for me, my gut reaction would be like, no, no, no wait till they're 13, 14. But, yeah, see, my, my thing, I wanted to have one on this list that would be like the gateway or a chance or maybe a little maybe a little more adult than it could be, but maybe. Right. And, right. and you never know. that. I mean, I, I don't know. There's there's this game, a stupid game my kid plays called Five Nights at Freddy's, which is like oh, totally yeah, that's a, scary that's, stuff through yeah. You have found footage like thing because you're you're playing it through security cameras and there's these there's these animatronic things. You're basically a night guard at a uh, closed down type Chuck E. Cheese, but they still serve pizza, and uh, the animatronics are all busted and and put away. But you gotta like watch them and make sure they don't creep up on you. And they your kid uh, plays that. He plays he, he's because obsessed, I'm not even playing with that. It. Yeah, I'm he's, just like this yeah. is too spooky for me. <laughs> he's obsessed with I was, it. I was at Target the other day and there was a shocking amount of. Five Nights at Freddy's merchandise. Like, literally anything you can put IP on, it had it. From, like, underwear to mugs yeah. to pins. I was like, wow, I didn't realize this was that popular. Was that popular. Yeah. And we, yeah. go to, we, go to, we go to Chuck E. Cheese, and he won't... Uh, 20 feet from the, the animatronic, he won't well, go that's near good it. They're taking those animatronics away. And he asked me one time when we were leaving, he goes, hey, do you think there's a night guard that works here? But, no, I don't know. I There's a factor that... You know, Blair Witch is old. It's old video, so it might not appeal to them as much. I don't know. But I wanted something on here that's a little divisive and, like, maybe, maybe not. Oh, for sure. And I, I have ones yeah. that kind of skirt the line, too, that I, I, I want to talk about. But I yeah. I do – I can agree with Maxwell as well where, yeah, in addition to the content as far as language goes, I do think the kind of the ending sequence of that film where you're in that house, I do think for – a child, again, it depends entirely on the child, so it's you know it's hard to say it as a generality, but it it does ramp up in intensity where it's like that's the thing to consider when it comes to this topic mm-hmm. we're talking about children's horror, where right. it's like yeah. I'm not trying to petrify anybody, um, and so you know you're, if you're saying they're into it, then I think they'd be into it a lot as far as 
you know, what they're seeing in front of them unfolding as far as this creepy house and what's going on and where things end up and the kind of final images. I think that's a lot for a child to take home with them when they're going to bed that night and thinking, like, are they going to stay up for days now because of this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh-huh. uh, that's some stuff that I think about, too. So I'd actually like to get into... Um... For listeners, I'm not showing my kids the Blair Witch Project anytime yeah, soon, you... just so you know. <laughs> So somebody, somebody says one of our listeners is disappointed in that. <laughs> but, but, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy O. Jimmy O. Who refused to be on this podcast? By the way, he took a firm stance against children's horror for some reason. Although I don't think he considered how many great choices we have already laid out in front of us. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy. <laughs> so the one that I had, which I was like, okay, well, this is a little too intense, is uh, the Sixth Sense. I was like, I, I, well, I'm going to take that off the list because there's images of dead people. Um, and I'm more specifically thinking of the kid who blows his head off. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's that's like, I, even I, in the theater, I was like, whoa. But the other one that I kind of put in place was it was the others. And I, I don't know if that would, see, there's nothing. So the others is on your list. Yeah, it is. Okay. So there's nothing. There's I'm writing no all like, these down so all the listeners can have a list of all the movies we recommended. So. Yeah, there's there's no blood in it. And there's no, uh, there's a lot of spooky elements in it. But it's old timey. Yeah, and, and there's like kids in it too. So if you were to watch it with, you know, children or your nieces and nephews or whatever the case is, I think that they would really be under the covers, but they'd be, you know, into the movie because it's it's um it's spooky on that level, right? And then as an adult, you'd also really be able to get into it. But um, I I had our time because I was thinking to myself, well, I mean. You know, just to my own rules, I was like, I don't think I would leave the room uh, if I was putting this on for my nieces and nephews who were like uh, range from six to 13. So I was like, ah, maybe for the older ones, but definitely not for like the six or eight year olds. So that's why I was like, well, it kind of like skirts uh, whether it is this this horror movie that you can show to kids. So There is a sex scene in it. That's true, but it's... Uh, Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> Forgot it's, about it's that. It's a PG-13. I see what you're... Now, this is drawing a line, though. I'm, I'm enjoying... This is... I'm finding this fascinating, because I think I'm on Maxwell's side of this line as well, as far as it's not just about the content, it's about the kind of extremity of these these things that we're seeing, because the others... I agree with you, Abe. It is a movie that, you know, it's very tame as far as what it's showing you, but it is a movie that relies on, like, heavy score stings and whatnot to kind of get you get your blood flowing. Yeah. Get you, I, and, and, and it really reminds me of what you just said of, like, well, these kids will be up for days if they watch this movie. They'd be like, you know, they'd be scared of every noise that's in their house. So it brings me to what are we trying to do with this episode, I guess? Are we trying yeah. to say that kids should be, like, if... No. And, and that's why we established what our parameters were as far as would you be happy leaving the room with this, but now it's more like would you be content with your kid secretly watching this while under the covers? Well, <laughs> see, so, so the, the reason why I have one reach in here is mostly just because, well, here's an intro to how horror movies are different, because the ones that I've named before are you know a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more uh, fun. They can they can somehow be construed as as lessons to tell. Whereas this one's like, well, here's a horror movie that you might not have seen. You might not have seen this style before, and it's not ultimate or it's not like a slasher movie, but it does infuse other elements of you really kind of sweating um, if well, you're gonna watch it's, this. It's Casper ramped up to eleven. I mean, that's the movie, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, if it, if if amps actually went up to eleven, if we're living in, in uh, that world, <laughs> these, these these go to eleven. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, 
But yeah, no. So I, I'd love to hear some feedback on that because, uh, again, I, it's a reach, and I wasn't really uh, sure. But I certainly want to make a list that didn't just have you know stuff like Coraline or um, Gremlins or Beetlejuice. Well, I, in find, it. I do find this interesting, Max. What do you have to say? I'm sorry, I would keep talking a lot. No, uh, the others is actually one I considered as well. Um, so. You know, certainly it is on the line, but I feel like there's an elegance to the film and a smartness to the storytelling and the reveal, wherein I think it would be on the side of a a good next step after, say, Casper, which you brought up, to the Haunted House film. Um, I think Sixth Sense is too far um, for kids, because I saw that in theaters Boy, I did it. I, I, I left. I was so scared um, when it first came out. And then I went back and faced my fears the next week and, and saw it again. And that was a big moment for me because it was that exact shot you mentioned with the, the gunshot to the head. Yeah, right. It's like he turns uh, and then like a music cue happens. And it's, yeah, music it, cue it, stuff, it, and it's also I just literally like a got up and, and, and ran out of the theater. I can even remember what theater I was in. Uh, yeah. Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, but, you know, the others is less directly intense and more haunting and creepy. And so I would not leave the room, but I think 10, 11, it could be a good stepping stone as long as you're there to talk about it after. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm glad someone mentioned that. It's, it's an interesting pick for sure. It's funny. I um, The hot take's coming right here. I don't really like the others that much. Ooh, <laughs> hot take! Um and I have it. It's a film where I've tried to watch it multiple times. Be like, maybe I'll maybe I'll get it this time. Like I got I got it cheap, so I'm like, well, I I do appreciate so much about this. Maybe maybe if I'm just watching it differently, or with a different frame of perspective or a different set of eyes on this, I can. And it just it's never quite clicked for me. Which is mm-hmm. the same with like The Ring. I'm not a fan of Gore Verbinski's The Ring, despite admiring. I just didn't like that movie in general. Though. I don't I don't really like that movie in general, and I, I yeah. like the others more than I like The Ring. I'll put it that way. But it's not oh, one that's been one that. Um, has quite worked for me despite again it having a lot of good elements but i do like this conversation about the others as far as this topic goes i think it's because it is on this on this bridging line um which i still think there's other films that we'll also talk about that also approach that line um but we gotta keep going um who's next on this is it uh you are that's me yeah (laughs) well in a decidedly different direction my next pick is little shop of horrors which of course which uh, my lovely girlfriend and i we recently revisited um that movie's fantastic (laughs) um there's not i mean you can talk about the kind of violence i guess in there i think the movie is pg-13 technically um but I mean, it's it's more for kind of the adult situation aspect, I guess, over any kind of gory violence. There is violence to be had in the film about a you know a plant that eats people, um, but it is also a musical, <laughs> and it's very very entertaining. And this is much more of like a com- you know a, a show tunes comedy as opposed to a shred of horror film, despite it having horror in the title. Um, but I do think it's, it is, it's fun to watch. Like I grew up, I grew up with this movie. This is a movie I grew up watching a lot because it's just really enjoyable, but it also, it, it you know, it, I guess you, I guess you call it a monster movie, right? Would that be appropriate? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's I, a I giant so. flower. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it is a monster of sorts. It just happens to, <laughs> it happens to jive talk, but, um, it's, <laughs> but, um, 
No, I, I think Little Shop of Horrors, it's, and again, you know, if, with my list, I've constructed as kind of this, like, film festival of sorts. So you have King Kong, Abbott Costello, and Little Shop of Horrors, and it's just like, I think it all kind of fits as far as, like, this would be a great, like, time at the movies in, in a certain genre um, where you're, you're seeing these kind of animated characters coming to life in various ways. And, like, well, we've already had the monster movie that's a sympathetic monster, but he's still, you know, crushing and eating people. And then you've had the, you know, the kind of collaboration of a bunch of different movie monsters all in one with comedic characters in the background there's a movie where the the main monster is also a comedic character to a point and you have other terrifying things such as steve martin's dentist character like there's there's a lot of you know quirky dark fun going on in this movie that does involve people dying and whatnot but also involves big show-stopping uh numbers and whatnot. amazing numbers by alan menken and the late great howard ashman mm -hmm. amazing amazing songs alan menken mm -hmm. yeah and Rick Moranis, yeah, I know. He's, yeah. He's, 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 he's there. He's great as the lead. He's great. He's good doing his thing. So. He is. They did um, a short production of it here a couple years ago where Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal played yeah. um, Seymour, the lead. Or, and, yeah, Seymour. Yeah. yeah, Seymour. He played Seymour, and he, he's terrific. He's a great musical theater actor. I would love him to do a musical film. Yeah, it's a, it's a great choice. And uh, if you haven't seen, I think they put this in the, like it was a Fathom event or something, but they're going to do Little Shop of in theaters with the oh, original yeah. ending, which is what came out on Blu-ray oh. uh, like a couple few years ago. Um, but the, which is, I believe the theater ending as well, like the very dark ending to that film, um, oh. which is very dark and very, <laughs> very crazy um, that did not test well with audiences. So they changed it. So it, which and both endings are good. I like the, 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 alt, the, you know, the um, theatrical, ending as well but the kind of crazy alternate dark ending of that film is something to be seen i was very excited to get that on blu-ray when it finally came out oh, it's like wow I'm curious. oh yeah if you don't know what that what the original ending of little shop of horrors is already you will be surprised by the direction it goes <laughs> <laughs> you're really selling me on this i, I really uh, it, it's I might have to it is, spoil it myself it later. Is, and it's also seeing it, you're like, wow, that's a lot of money they did not use <laughs> to put on the screen by taking that away and putting <laughs> something else in. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's get back to it's Maxwell's turn again. What's your next pick here? Um, yeah, so I've sort of, you know, I, I had some films I wanted to talk about, and then I said to myself, you know, I'm going to listen to what other people say because I'm sure there'll be repeats and themes will develop. So. This is one I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to mention, but I am. And it's uh, Tim Burton's Frankenweenie. Oh, oh yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've talked, we've all talked a lot about animated films and stop-motion animation in particular. Um, and I was glad someone mentioned Coraline, because I think the other uh, great artist, aside from Henry Selick, who's worked in stop-motion with a horror edge to it, is Tim Burton. Um I I wasn't sure what to expect with Frank and Weenie because it came at a period where Tim Burton, I thought, had hit a real uh, downturn in his career. Mm -hmm. And for me, of all of his recent work, this might be the best and most effective. And I think what's so great about it is its heart. Yes, it, it really cleverly borrows from the classic Frankenstein story, and there's a lot of great imagery that calls to mind those classic universal monster movies. But it's the simple story of boy and dog that I think makes it endure and work beyond just Tim Burton once again playing in this creepy sandbox. Um, I absolutely love that they let him spend the money and make it in black and white. 
and I think that lends such a great visual touch to it that makes it just a little bit creepier. And the voice acting is just from top to bottom fantastic. From Martin Landau to Martin Short, Catherine O'Hara, everyone is just fantastic in their characters. And there's some really great larger-than-life adult characters um, that become various uh, obstacles for the kids along the way. There, there's a lot to admire in Frankenweed. I don't quite like it as much as you do, Max, but I certainly appreciate it a lot. I think it has a lot of great style. The, my favorite thing about Frankenweed is the fact that the original, like V, you know, like the, the like short film he made for Disney got him fired back in the eighties yes. for Disney, <laughs> and then here Disney is like, please, Tim Burton, come back to us and make a Frankenweedy movie. It's the like, irony. It, it was, yep. I was like, I, I couldn't believe, like, when that was announced, it's like. I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe Disney went back to Tim Burton to get him to make a full version of the movie he got fired from for Disney for. Um, but the, yeah, there's the, the, the like you mentioned, um, the, the black and white aspect of it. That's something I, I thought was such a great touch. Um, something that's, you know, so untraditional for an animated feature, especially, um, and as, you know, certainly in, you know, the 2010s like that's not something you're, you're gonna see at all and here for tim burton is like going all out to make his kind of frankenstein homage by adapting his his story once again in this form and making it look as good as it does yeah everything about the like existence of the film is delightful to me like the whole story behind it that it got him fired and everything and that yeah. it, it, i find that such a great story um yeah i'm sure there's articles you could read that describe this more but i, I believe it's like the just it was just too weird for disney at that time by the way disney I at think that they time said which, they, they thought they were he was wasting their money and resources because yeah. he was you know a totally unproven artist to name at that point this was pre pre beetlejuice pre edward scissorhands but this is you know, yeah it, but this is before they made return to oz so it's like what's going on at disney like, right, I right. Well, I love how we mentioned that like you know disney was making these darker animated movies like you know not maybe darker but with some themes that are a little bit on the line and it's like yeah by the way your your movie about this kid who wants to get his dog back is a little bit too dark for us but let's go ahead and make a dumbo where his mom is you know put in this giant cage it's um like you mentioned maxwell the um the cast in this is it's like a great um tim burton all-stars movie as far as everybody yeah knows. it's, it's like, like he brought yeah. back his whole repertory uh players to to do these roles which is not unfamiliar for tim burton i mean a lot of his films keep featuring a lot of like he has players essentially it's like his it's like his yes. orson welles club like he just keeps having this yeah you know <laughs> like he has he's a lot of the same people that show up but yeah there's another you know just a good example of that and yeah coming off of, this is coming off of like dark shadows was like the same year i think right um, where it's like okay it, it almost like, makes me wonder if uh, alice in wonderland was like a one for you one for me kind of thing where he's like okay i'll direct your big budget alice in wonderland if i can do frankenweenie that's all i've always had that kind of assumption because it's like alice my problem with alice in wonderland among other problems with it is that it, it's such a um it's it seems so obvious that you would choose tim burton and lo and behold they actually got tim burton to do it and it just it just feels and like false in every it, 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 yeah it doesn't feel like and this is me maybe reading too much into an artist's intentions but it didn't feel like he cared that much no it feels like the hot topic version of tim burton made this movie the hot topic uh, version. Believe me, Hot uh, Topic had a ton of merchandise for Alice in Wonderland. So that's do. not far <laughs> oh, I, I, sure. sure, you can still find it. Uh, it's, it's all there. Brandon, what's your next pick? I was gonna say one of my the original Frankenweenie, the the one with Daniel Stern, the short. Mm -hmm. uh, they they put on VHS and like had it at rental stores. It was like one of the most disappointing rentals I ever had in my <laughs> life because I I didn't know it was twenty nine minutes long. So I ran it and it was over. I was like, wait, that was it? 
I'm done. It's not. It's not that bad though. Yeah, it's no, it's good. Yeah, but I was like, wait. Daniel Stern. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I rented a feature. I uh, did not. I, I rented it. It's a on short the, film. Um, it has a young Sofia Coppola in it. Um, it um, the, oh. It's on the. Yeah. It's on the Nightmare Before Christmas um, Blu-ray, I believe. Thing. And the Frankenweenie Blu-ray also, I believe. Uh, that makes sense makes too. Yeah. Sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that was yeah, that was kind of funny for me. I was like, wait, that, it's short. Because sometimes back in the days, they put short things on VHS and just had them out for rent, and you'd be like, all right, and you'd rent something, and there'd be like an episode of something on there, and you're like, wait, they they only put one episode of transformers on this not like three or four <laughs> so yeah anyways uh what's your next pick um you know I, it's funny i there's a lot of stuff to choose from on this i thought this was going to be a difficult thing but um Good. there's plenty to go with um i might go with something that gave me the willies after seeing it was uh arachnophobia nice yeah i i still can't watch I, that movie <laughs> I saw it the first time I saw it was at my cousin's house and they kind of lived in like the a bit of the backwoods country. So I figured like, oh, gosh, spiders are everywhere. Um, but it's it's kind of campy, um, silly, but like it's got some gruesome. So like that old couple gets killed uh, in it. Like there's some like really dour things in it, but it's, it's overall a fun movie. And it's, it's silly in a way that could still be scary to a young kid that they're not see- seeing some silliness. Well, it takes mm-hmm. because, a, and this comes from that Amblin school again as well. But, sorry, Brent, I didn't yeah. to cut you off. No, it's no, it's funny. That's fine. Well, it comes from that Amblin house where yeah, it does kind of mix the kind of edge with a family friendly vibe, and it, I, I I have a very, it helps because I Anna and I as well as friend of the show Scooter we just recently rewatched uh, Arachnophobia like not too long ago, uh, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. <laughs> but the movie really does play well with such a simple idea as far as. People don't like spiders in general. I do. I have a tarantula. But people in general right. don't like spiders. <laughs> um, why don't we make a movie all about that? And you have Jeff Daniels as, like, the lead in this movie where it's like, yeah, he's petrified of spiders. And there's, like, spiders everywhere. And they're doing all kinds of things. Like, you mentioned the old people that die. There's this one where, like, the spider comes out of the lamp. And it's like, that's a terrifying thing. Because that could happen. Like, a spider could just come down from a lamp and get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's based so much in, in kind of reality for as far as where spiders can come from. Not as far as the, you know the strain of deadly spiders <laughs> unleashed in this movie. Yeah. But as far as the kind of the concept and like, you know, kind of a simple fear that can get exaggerated, this movie does a great job of, you know, attacking that. Yeah. It also has a fantastic ending theme. Um, oh, yeah. You know what it is? Well, are you talking about Jeff Daniels with the nail gun? Or? No, 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 no. A ending theme okay. song. Theme song. Oh, oh, oh theme. Oh, I thought you said scene. What was the ending theme song? It is called, it is called Don't Bug Me. Ah, <laughs> it, it is by uh, uh, it is by um, what's his face um, uh, pina colada guy um, what's um Jimmy like Buffett Jimmy Buffett yes Jimmy Buffett did an original song called Don't Squish Don't Don't Bug Me, um, which is written for the movie has lyrics that are very much in line with arachnophobia and is hilarious oh. to listen to over the credits of that movie. <laughs> There you oh. go. I, I I miss films having like ridiculous original songs for credits. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, Arachophobia is it? And John Goodman is great in this movie. Oh my god, he's so much yeah. fun when he gets um, here. I, I've actually never seen it, so I'm oh, gonna wow. make a point to, to go watch it now. Yeah. No, you don't. I I, I really dislike spiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there you go. Although I although I have seen Eight Legged Freaks, so oh, that, that's oh, a fun well, one. I mean, if you can see Eight Legged Freaks, you can see Arachophobia. I still think about spiders in the shower whenever I think of Arachnophobia. It's it, you have to see all of Frank Marshall's directed films. I mean, I have Arachnophobia <laughs> Alive, Valentine's Con- Day, 
No, just his direct. No, Frank Marshall. Direct his. Oh, oh. Not Gary Marshall. Not Frank Gary Marshall. Marshall. <laughs> no, not him. Frank Marshall, the producer. No, Arachnophobia, Alive, Congo, and Eight Below. Those are his four movies. And so you have to, it's like, that seems like. I'm we're sorry. Playing. I'm sorry, Frank. And R.I.P. Gary Marshall. But, yes. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, but, but no, it's it's a fun one, Max. You should catch up with it. It, it certainly has. I mean, even if you're afraid of spiders, I think there's such a great sense of humor to the movie. Also, Brandon, you know this. It starts off way different than what the actual plot is, since it's set in like the jungle for like the first yeah, twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's right. Way... It's like anybody who watches as a kid goes back to it's like, what's this? Yeah. I don't remember. I just remember Julian Sands coming telling everybody they were dangerous, but yeah, on yeah. a farm somewhere. Like, what's on going on in the Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that movie's a hit too, movie, wasn't though. it? That movie made money, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty certain that it was a hit. I don't think like a huge hit, but it's certainly it, it you know it's successful. It's successful. It was, it was it was it had a lot of buzz. Everybody's talking about it. Like it was liked. I know that it got good reviews. It was liked. It was yeah. popular rental at the time. Like yeah. I'm surprised there's not like arachnophobia too. The so reboot. Maybe there is. The, yeah, the reboot. That's what we need. Well, there's plenty yeah. of spider movies, but there's not a direct. There's not like an asylum no, arachnophobia no sequel. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get J- James Franco, Seth Rogen to team up for the arachnophobia reboot. No, just no. Put Sarah and Hill back together. They'll be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can do a super bad sequel about arachnophobia. There you go. There you go. Super bad sequel. Evan, I can't believe you brought that spider into my dorm room. I know, right? What dicks? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what's going on, but I would watch that. Yes. That would be that would be a great one. We should write that right now. We're, we're going to green light. It this. writes itself, just like our other movie that we have. Just like Yeah, just like our buddy cop movie. Just like our buddy cop about English cops that speak with American accents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that's a great idea. It is. Abe, what's your next pick? It is Paranormal. And uh, I, I was I, waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, you and I love this movie as well, probably for the themes of, uh, you know, standing up here, bullies and whatever else. But on the whole, it's a it's a pretty solid movie, just uh, with thematic elements of um, that I didn't see coming, which are uh, more or less the judgment of a witch back in the day that uh, I found very effective, and I was like, oh, this is hitting me on a on a sentimental level. And then also, I wasn't expecting what was going to happen to Norman uh, when he confronts this this uh, child. So it was really. Um, on all fronts, I was kind of surprised by it. And I know that it's probably got less of a, whatchamacallit, of a IMDb score than perhaps uh, I think that it's worth, but I, I certainly watch it a lot. <laughs> Let me talk about how much time. I don't care about the IMDb score of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, know that. I mean, this I, is ch- I, children's I horror, eyes. so we should go with children are rating it, right? <laughs> <laughs> My nieces love it. Uh, yeah, I don't need to talk much about Paranorman because we've done that. Oh, you are. We know you love it. Oh, 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 oh yeah. <laughs> that's like that's like your brand. Yeah, I don't I don't need to add how much I love Paranorman on here, but I will say that the Leica in general, I mean, really fits the kind of what a lot of Amblin was doing as far as that kind of darker edge to their films. I mean, we already talked about Coraline as well, but even Box Trolls and Kubo, um, I mean, they they have scary-ish elements as well taken in the right context kubo particularly i mean there has the rooney mara plays those creepy aunts in that movie that like, mm-hmm. with they the want to take his other with the, with the domo masks and everything like it's there's yeah. some there's a lot of you know spooky imagery throughout Leica's uh kind of filmography that i i look i look forward to seeing as far as and children that stand up to those spooky images which is sure. what i appreciate a lot yes and it's neat you know neat to see the kind of how they keep following up these things by not 
scaling back as far as the intensity of some of their films and they mm -hmm. really want to challenge you know they want to challenge the audience in some ways which has paid off i mean all their films are acclaimed to some degree right um, yeah paranorman fantastic movie um let's see i i have a pick here that hasn't come up yet uh, I have a number of picks here that I haven't come up yet that I'm trying, but I, I feel like I just. I mean, I mean, there's still a lot left. There but, are, yeah. and we'll we'll mention them in honorable mentions regardless. I mean, these will get, these will be spoken, but I I feel like I just a little shop of horrors, so I don't want to do another musical. Hint, hint. Um, so <laughs> I'm gonna do this film instead. I'm gonna do Tremors. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, you could. I think we mentioned with Beetlejuice that there's some foul language and that there's one little scene in Beetlejuice. And I think there's. I think there's only one f bomb in Tremors, right? Because it is PG-13. But there is like. I think. Doesn't Kevin Bacon say like "fuck you" to the tre the, the graboid at one point? In that like when they kill the first one, I believe so. I think uh, so. Get that one in. Yeah, and I mean that's a content thing, which we've had an interesting debate about so far on this podcast. But I do think the the notion of tremors is similar to some of these. I mean, it is a comedy horror to an extent, and I that's a movie, that's another movie where I've seen a lot when I was kind of younger and growing up in general. I used to play on TV a lot, and the look of the tremors it feels like it always skirts the line of being horrific to look at like it doesn't mm -hmm. it's not quite super scary not a lot of monster movies on this list by the way i just realized this um but, your list does yeah i said i have yeah oh um, gotcha i i think it's it's not quite terrifying but the situation itself that you know stranding people on rocks or you know being stuck in scenarios and being grabbed by things and being pulled to your death I can see that being scary, but the movie's tone plays so fast and loose with the with the graboids that I, I don't. I could see this being you know working for a younger audience, and I think that's you know why the brand is kind of held throughout the years. Why there's so many sequels and a TV series and a reboot and Jamie Kennedy. Uh, there's all these things going on. <laughs> um, he's in like the six or whatever the latest yeah. one is. Um, yeah. Of, I'm well surprised as, Shane from Walking Dead hasn't been in it yet. Well, well, he's an actual actor that has a career, so you know it works yeah. out for him. You know, mm, good he, point. He stars in real movies. That's I think that's part of why. But um, Michael Gross though can't stop him from being in these movies. He's he's all over these. <laughs> uh, no Reba, no Reba reunion as of yet, but you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think tr I, I do. I, what do you guys think about Tremors? I, well, I, I remember watching it as a kid, all. and I enjoyed it because uh, it was kind of fun and campy, but. Uh, at the same time, I was like, well, this is almost a ridiculous premise. Uh, even as a, as a child, I was like, this is ridiculous, right? Because uh, I was never afraid of the ground opening up and all of a sudden sandworms were going to get me or something like that, right? Uh, so, you didn't read Dune as a child. <laughs> you, weren't afraid of, you weren't afraid of quicksand even, Abe? I was afraid of quicksand, but I wasn't afraid of you know these giant monsters underneath. Because I was like, you know, I live in the city. I'm never going to be out there in, in the desert with, uh, with uh, Kevin Bacon. So... You live in, you're in but, California. The whole state's a desert. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a semi-arable desert. Come on now. Um, All the more reason for Tremors to finally <laughs> make their way to this part. <laughs> but uh, I, I did enjoy, um, whatchamacallit, the, I guess, don't they start, like, bombing them? Like, they, they throw like, bombs in their mouths or whatever the case is, well, they and start, you see, like, they rig, orange they, blood goo? Well, they yeah, they eventually they they try to get dynamite to, to help them out and whatnot. Yeah, there's and they also, you know, just ram them into things. They try to like, but, destroy. But yeah, with all that being said, I've I've never gone back and revisited in full Tremors since like 1991. I think you'd be delighted by Tremors because it's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun movie. <laughs> and Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward are great together. I, I, yeah. Kevin Bacon, great hair. Not really, but you know, <laughs> it's frizzy. 
<laughs> he's got a lot, he's got he's rocking a lot of hair in Tremors. That's for sure. He's rocking a lot of hair back in the eighties, yeah, and early nineties. And that's when Fred Ward was still like really popular, which I always, I always yeah. like seeing Fred Ward and does. Yeah, uh, his adventure was beginning. Yeah, <laughs> Remo Williams, he's uh, <laughs> he's out there. Um, Maxwell, what's your? Uh, I guess we're at. Are we at the fifth one? Yeah. What's your What's your that, last pick here? Or yeah. no, this, we're, I we're think we, we are. We already five. did it. Yeah, we, we did, did five. five. We are. This would be six. I yeah. like four. Are you? No, I don't. Are you sure? I only did four. You do your last one then. I did. I, I did. did uh, let's see. I did. Um, gosh, and I, I deleted him from my list so I wouldn't talk about him again. You, but you've I, all like, done tur- four because it wouldn't make sense if I've only done four. <laughs> I, I've what? only done four. Yes, thank you, Max. Oh, what's okay. your next? What's your all final right. pick? <laughs> yeah, this. I yeah, this would be my fifth and final, and so. Um, there's a few that I'm really surprised haven't been mentioned yet. Um, I think probably because we're, we're all worried that they'll come up. <laughs> That's probably why. And, and 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 yet I'm going to mention something else and hope those come up and if not, mention them at the end. Um, so look, I think you can't think about horror without thinking about the master himself, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock. Um, okay. he, he made a lot of different films, many of which I would not want to show to kids for various reasons there's one that came to mind um that i think is a good introduction to alfred hitchcock and while probably uh slow for kids to watch at least in the first half and that's the birds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um i i think the birds would be a really uh good horror movie thriller whatever you want to call it to show kids because Similar to a lot of the other ones you guys have mentioned, it's ultimately a creature feature. It's about a monster, in this case, just really angry birds attacking. Um, and it's it's such a simple premise and so well executed. And one of the things I was thinking about with these movies is not only what's appropriate for kids, but what I thought would be good introductory movies to get them interested in horror. And I feel like this would be something that fits that bill, pun intended. Yeah, Abe and I, we recently had a whole episode with a friend of the show, uh, Professor Mike Dillon, about the birds. Yeah. So we've said a lot about the birds in the past few weeks. We have, but yeah. I, I will I will add to your thoughts as far as, yes, that it is that's that would be fitting for a young audience, I feel. I think it does have enough there where they you know, they be they could be invested in what's going on. I would agree with you also that it is the first half is paced fairly slowly. Um, yeah, that's your biggest worry. So it's be, not scaring them. It's yeah, that first it's getting the, through that first the act. Road bump. Yes, you know, watching Tippy Hedgehog. Although, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like we watched this in elementary school, if not middle school, on a day with the substitute. I have a memory of that, and so, you know, I, I don't remember if people were that's bored or not, yeah. but um, certainly it's appropriate for kids. It's a matter of do they have the patience? It does. Which, say, yeah. It, it it does sorry it um the kind of I think we mentioned a few movies that have some not necessarily gore but certainly kind of some grislier moments perhaps and this one does this does have like one that you know yeah. you know like the shot of the guy with no eyes like there's, there's right and mm-hmm. just the nature of being menaced by birds in general but uh, yeah I do think it it is fitting as far as a what a child can handle as far as the intensity. I think there's kind of like a, I, they're pro- if anything, like if Brandon, and your kids watch the birds, they'd probably be like, why are the birds attacking? I think that'd be the biggest question they'd have. Yeah. Or like, they're, they're probably wondering what's a jungle gym. I actually, they probably still have jungle gyms. No, but I agree with you on the birds of, I think that it's on a level of, I think if you were to sort of 
if you want to do like this this history of of horror kind of thing where you could talk to them about it because ultimately when i if i if i were like uh under 12 and i watched it i'd probably be kind of maybe not all with it but to to kind of go along and have somebody explain it to me i think that would actually add a lot of value to my history of film and also just knowledge of horror movies in general because it is pretty spooky. I mean, we talked about it at length, like the full. I think we talked like two hours worth of it. But um, there's like spooky imagery. There's also spooky like uh, metaphors in it too. So um, ultimately, I think it's a pretty solid movie. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it works on a couple levels, and I think the pure visceral impact of the attacks are tame enough for kids to handle, and then some of the deeper themes would probably just go over their head and not become more uh, important if they revisit it later on. Um, in fact, one of my favorite classes I took at all of college was Hitchcock. Um, and I specifically remember the professor saying, this is a, a great introduction to Hitchcock for younger audiences. Um, because compared to a lot of his other stuff, it's less less adult in theme overall and l- yeah. less intense than some like Psycho. Yeah, it's less cerebral. So it's the, yeah, it's not... Yeah, I mean, it, you can you know, certainly read into it, which we've talked about in the in the other episode. I think it makes a, a great double feature with Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon, what's your uh, next pick? Um, Children of the Corn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we Google children horns film horror films. That's like the first one that comes up. Is it really? <laughs> Not oh, yeah. what I meant. Not what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I'll go with um I I showed my son this uh couple weekends ago and he loved it a lot um uh, van helsing the the, the huge okay. jackman one yeah i chanced it i was like let's see how he goes with this uh i hadn't seen it since it was in the theater but i was like all right and he thought it was pretty awesome and it, it's it's dumb but kind of fun it's got a lot of the classic monsters he was very interested in the characters he was very sad uh, about kate beckinsale's character's fate at the end um that was like the the, the worst thing <laughs> that that came about it and uh uh, one of the funny things was when the finale happened, he, he looked at me and goes, of course, werewolf versus a, <laughs> a werewolf versus a bat. Like, I like how like, you turned goes, and said, of course, like with so yeah, much sass. Yeah, and he goes, werewolf's going to win. I'm like, all right, well, just watch, man. But he, he really enjoyed that movie. Granted, he, he actually, you know, knew the foundation of where all this stuff was coming from. So that was kind of neat. But he, he thought it was pretty awesome. Recall that I do think Van Helsing is quite fun. Now I haven't seen it in a while, but I do think Van Helsing is fun. <laughs> it's, it, it's its third act is a mess like, of, of effects and all kinds of things. But yeah, I think there's there's a lot to enjoy in Van Helsing. It's I, got a it's got a horrible portrayal of Dracula. It but, does. Richard Roxburgh, uh, right? He's, he's, yeah, his, his accent he's, is wildly terrible. <laughs> and all he does is all he does is scream the whole movie. Uh, but I mean, it's it's silly and it's something like a like a, a big like blockbuster movie that seems more adult than it is that a kid could enjoy. And it's not really bloody too much at all. No, there's, I mean, there's PG-13. some blood, but it was a PG-13. Yeah. Uh, it was like the, it was the May opener for 24, 20, Yeah, that's right. Yep. I say it was cause it was my birthday movie that year. And that okay. was a movie I definitely saw with a bunch of friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so a, a movie that wouldn't completely work for me worked for him at a young age. That's mm-hmm. it. It has a good it has a good Alan Silvestri score too. A lot of Spanish guitar Ooh, for some reason. Oh, I do reason. love Alan Silvestri. A lot of Spanish guitar for some reason. They're like, let's do the Spanish guitar for Van Helsing. That makes sense. <laughs> like they went for it. 
And Brandon, you just watched it, so now you're, you're aware of the scene where Stephen Summers is like, hey, why don't we make a good, bad, and the ugly reference? Let's go for that. Right, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a lot of strange choices in Van Helsing. Yeah. It is. And it, I mean, it's amusing. I, I, I won't say it's boring to watch. It's, it's not. It's never boring, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Abe, what's your what's your last one? I think the reason why I thought that we had already done five is because uh, Maxwell had mentioned Monster House, and that was also on my list. Uh, so that's what that was. Uh, I had Monster House on my list too, and I was like, it's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so if I if I were to throw anything out there, I would throw out uh, what we talked about earlier, which is Ghostbusters, and that'd be that'll round up my list there. Something strange in your neighborhood, okay, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, go, I mean, we talked about Ghostbusters, but Ghostbusters is a good movie. I mean, it, it works out. Solid. And it, yeah, it has its level of frights or whatnot. Um, Even Slimer's first scene is creepy, if you're a kid. Yeah. He's in the hall, and it's just quiet, and he's trying not to bug him, and then he sees Bankman and goes after him. That's kind of creepy. Wait, he's uh, eating those hot dogs, and they're just going right through? Yeah. But, I mean, he, that's he's later trying on, to be yeah. stealthy. I mean, Bankman's trying to be stealthy, and... And you don't know what he's gonna do to him. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, he slimed me. Okay. Yeah. He's just in the. He's eating like off the the tray and yeah. The tray. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my last pick. This is the this is the one that's that's skirting controversy. I would say for my list is uh, the Frighteners. Peter Jackson's. Oh, I thought about that too. Yeah. Um, but I felt as though that might be a little bit too spooky. Well, so it is R. But that said, it's only R because. It got rated R at the last second when Peter Jackson submitted it. Like, he thought he made a PG-13 movie when he made that movie. He and, did. And it, and it was only after that where he's like, okay, well, let me go for it. And he inserted the scene where a, per, a character gets his head blown off. Um, and even then, it still looks pretty comical in the way it's handled. There's no real swearing in it. There's very minimal gore. It's just more right. kind of frightening images. Uh, thematic, yeah. Thematic, thematic images. images. And specifically, like, the Reaper character. Played by the, Which is a great design. Played by the completely dramatic Jake Busey. Um, the, 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 um, <laughs> but the design, it is a great design. It, it was a great poster. I remember there was a 3D poster of that when it was coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And I was very happy that the uh, Blu-ray has that kind of recreation of that on the kind of like a, a, a lenticular cover. Um, right. But yeah, no, I... I'm curious if you guys, I mean, you considered it, obviously, apparently. So, I mean, it, I, I did. I'm not alone yeah. in, in thinking this, but I do think it... It walks a line, obviously. I, there's no, no different than the others, I guess, as far as kind of a ghost story. And there is, I guess, there's a there's a visceral edge to it because of the Reaper and how that functions. But at the same time, it feels more. It's more like an action comedy that has a lot of ghost stuff in it. So it yeah, it, it feel it feels like it'd be appropriate. There's there's you know there. I guess the the I guess the, really the intense stuff is the fact that there's people getting numbers carved in their heads, and so the implication of that is a little more grotesque than all the other picks on my list but yeah. I, it does fall into that like Brandon you've been saying as far as the kind of 8 to 10 like you go to the kind of higher range of children's yeah. ages for that movie but I, I one thing I really love the Frighteners but I've always had kind of a like a fun feeling from it um, which I think is implied by just the nature of the film yeah so the reason why I thought about it is because uh, when I my brother uh, is older than I am and he's like oh we should watch the Frighteners like isn't that a scary movie he's like Trust me, it's actually pretty funny. And I watched it, and I was like, this is a funny movie. It's like a fun, funny movie. So I, I agree with you on the action comedy, or action yeah, horror action aspect of it. Horror, yeah. yeah, and so I, the only reason why is because, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, obviously people are, are being hunted down by the Reaper, right? So I was like, well, maybe. But 
on the whole, I I still like the Frighteners, um, and I would watch it again. But yeah, I can see your point. I mean, I'd almost said day, Dead Alive, except that movie's extremely gory, but it does have such a loose tone to it where it's like, well... Yeah, yeah. But it's it's not appropriate just because of all the the bloody nonsense that happens yeah. in that movie. But it is a romantic, it's yeah. just a romantic comedy. It just happens to have zombies. That's that's all the... <laughs> you change You're... the color settings on your TV. Yeah. yeah. It might not yeah. be so red. I mean, just it make it monochrome. Yeah. It, has a, it has an adorable baby, um, which is oh. what we all say about oh, that baby. Gosh. But no, I think the... Any, any other thoughts on The Frighteners? No, I agree with what you're saying. It was one I had considered also and was surprised when I looked it up and it was rated R. Yeah, because it it doesn't feel like an R, right? It feels pretty Not at all. I I think that was a mistake. Yeah. By the MPAA. If it came out now, it'd definitely be R. It would definitely be PG 13. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, Well, let's get to some other mentions that we didn't uh, throw in there on our official list. Nobody said Hocus Pocus. I was expecting it to come up, and it didn't, but, I mean, that's an obvious one, I thought. So, was, yeah, yeah, there are two I expected to come up, and I didn't mention them because I expected them, and that's Goosebumps. We yes, talked uh, about it leading, like, that kind of led us to doing this one. So the we team. Already... Oh, okay. And uh, the Monster Squad. Yeah, Monster I, was, Squad. I was waiting for Brandon to mention Monster Squad. I've talked about Monster Squad so much, I think, on this show. That I just kind of was like, I'll, I'll go beyond Monster Squad, which was funny. I showed my my son it. It was a trick or treating movie one year, and then I didn't realize how many uh, slurs um, there were in there. But I just, yep. you know, I with, with them, I, I with my kids, I just I don't make a, I just let it go. I don't uh, make a scene about something yeah. they shouldn't yeah. hear because if I do, then they're gonna know. Uh huh. But if I just kind of just quietly let it go, then they. Probably won't pick up on it, but that one's got like a lot of uh, stuff that was okay back then. And it's not very okay now. I was yeah. curious, Aaron, if you were going to mention Sleepy Hollow. And... Uh, that's actually on my honorable mention list. Um, I, okay. I had that with because um, I had that in the um, the Adventures of Vicapod. I had those like kind of like a, a slash hype, like um, like as like a, slash. To, good good verb. I need to I need to mention both of these because yeah. I feel like they do count. Because Sleepy Hollow, much like the Frighteners, I the, the tone is so loose. And the blood is so like the speci- blood is so, so like specific. candle waxy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, yeah it, where it it does feel like it's a pro- like because I remember I was questioning if I should see it or not when it was coming out because I was twelve at the time and I was like, is this gonna be too scary? And then I saw like an HBO behind the scenes making of for it and I was like, this looks like fun. Like, and I love Tim Burton. Why would I not want to see this? Because Christopher like, Walken yeah, is great. It showed like the scene of like Johnny Depp hitting the tree and then the blood squirts on him and then it just keeps squirting on him. It's like this is ah. like, like I I need to see this movie and sure enough I. Have had a blast of Sleepy Hollow. So it, I mean, it's my favorite Tim Burton movie. So I mean, there you go. But yeah, the Sleepy um, Hollow certainly fits as far as my yeah. what, what I was going for. Yeah, just didn't quite make the list. The other one I thought might come up is Poltergeist. Yeah, same here, same here. Which the, you know might skirt the line a little bit, but it's PG. Um, <laughs> it, it is PG. I, I was always afraid it's, of it, and I still am. And, it's, uh, it's, scarier than many r-rated movies yep. to this day yeah me. it really is but it yes. is pg and it's as amblin as amblin gets in many ways and yeah, it's I, I, I would i would feel okay showing it to seven eight nine year old a character rips his face off i mean it's yeah like, what, what more can you say yeah. but yeah i agree that that was one where it's like i assume this will come up so i'll just leave it be but no yeah that's... Is, is the old linky man in in poltergeist one or poltergeist two the the 
the reverend looking guy? Yeah, that guy. That's the second one. Yeah. Okay, and all right, yeah. One. And the third okay. one. Which, and the third. Okay, yeah. Those still on my, I got those Screen Factory uh, releases. I'm going to watch those very soon because I've been looking forward yeah. to seeing the sequel. I haven't seen the sequels. Um, so there you go. Okay. Um, other ones on my list, uh, we mentioned Goosebumps, right? Yeah, that was what led us to the list to begin with. But yeah, that was obviously in there. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein was one, because mm-hmm. I had the Abbott Costello, but I'm like, well, that is the I... one that I'd single out, because I do think it's like the most fun. <laughs> I, I mean, they're all pretty fun to watch, but um, I, I think Bride of Frankenstein, because you have the, like, the little monsters and the other uh, Dr. Pretorius, um, yeah, just kind of adds a whole new dimension where it's like it's not even it's it's doing more than just being a monster movie. Now it's like a monster right. movie with like added quirk value. So <laughs> uh, quirk Ni- Nightmare Before Christmas seemed like an obvious one. I, I wasn't yeah. sure if that was it good. did. It, it, yeah, that's it did. Yeah. that's the I had that on my list. Where like, well, I have a little shop of horrors. Like, do I need two musicals? I don't know. Um, I had uh, Teen Wolf. Like, both my kids like that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the most suspenseful mm-hmm. scene is when Michael J. Fox is in the bathroom and his dad's outside. He's going to come in and then he's a bull wolf, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one I Wait, had. You guys, or you guys just like pretend that there's a really loud whistle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another one I had is um, where to go. Oh, Nosferatu. Yeah. My son uh, likes that one. I, I, that'd be that'd be one I'd be curious about the patience of the kid watching. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you're saying your son likes it, so that's cool. He likes it, but uh, tried to show him uh, Dr. Caligari. He got bored with it, so <laughs> so you never know. But, no. but Nosferatu, obviously, that's, pre- that's preying off of you know sound and you know kind of emotional response um, to what you're the images that you're seeing on the screen as opposed to like outright scaring you. Although it is, I mean, Count or or Lock or Lock uh, is a very it's a it's a very creepy image to see. Um, I wouldn't say the the Werner Herzog version of Nosferatu. Yeah, that's too much. And lastly, I had the Adams Family Values on my list. Yeah, interesting. Because I was thinking about Adams Family, but you know, not I'm, really horror-y. No, they're not. I mean, but they're just. Yeah. I mean, they're creepy and they're kooky and mysterious and spooky. So I mean, you know, it has that a horror a horror comedy. It's horror. Yeah. yeah, I laughed my ass off at the Adams Family, and Aaron keeps telling me that the superior one is Adams Family Values. What you haven't seen Adams Family Values? I have, but I still enjoy Adams Family quite a bit. It's fine, but the Values is the superior. Season. Adam Adams <laughs> too too legit. Yeah, that's right. MC oh, Hammer. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but the Adam Sandler that, that that's one of the best comedy sequels in general. I mean, that's just fantastic. Yeah. By the way, I have the Frighteners IMDb page on. I have the poster in front of me. That's such a cool poster for the Frighteners. Poster, Even yeah. without moving, it's just cool. Just that image. It's such a great. Like, but I, I, I do it. remember, the, yeah, I do remember like that whole entire like 3D imaging thing where basically you just put two photos on top of each other and have like that, you know, yeah. that that thing. And it's like that was a great. Uh, that was a great. Uh, movie cover and it didn't pay off bombed at the box office huge bomb paul <laughs> peter jackson never heard of that guy ever again yeah that's too bad for him he really he really didn't take <laughs> off after that one that guy what a loser any other uh picks you guys had i had uh one my kids liked I, i'm not offended by i don't think it's a great by any means but they like the hotel transylvania that one with all aaron, the aaron has left the call yeah well it's all the monsters there they, i mean it's for kids. I heard that kids. it's great. Yeah, I've heard that it's fun. The first one is is it's a, it's whatever. I never saw the second one, and there's a third one next summer. So there you go, Jimmy okay. Tarkovsky, keeping employed. They do, they've done it. I mean, he um, got he but... got to make Samurai Jack's final season. So if Jenny Tarkovsky's working, doing what he wants to, and he can keep making these movies, also good for him. And uh, a uh, uh, great it's a great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, a TV special. But there you go. Unless yeah. 
Max, so I also have about TV specials as well, and one of them would be the Simpsons Halloween episodes, because oh, I think yeah. like, oh, yeah. those, those were fun, but uh, I always enjoyed the organ music at the end, the Gracie Films part, where <laughs> instead, of, instead of the regular piano music, it was the organ, and uh, I remember that was like our cue to go out trick-or-treating, because they would show the Simpsons Halloween episode like around 6 p.m., and so we, we would watch it, and then we'd go out trick-or-treating after that. I mean, the... Um... The, the early Treehouse of Horror episodes were actually scary. Like those Yeah, there's some creepy stuff in those. When, yeah. when you're a child, those did the trick. Like, I remember the... The gas that turns you inside out? That that one's pretty bad. The, um, the <laughs> Honestly, the one with um, Krusty coming to life, that really scared me as a, like when I was younger. Like, it, but you get, a free, you get a free Froger. Yeah, the Froger. <laughs> <laughs> the Froger. So, one like, time, Aaron and I were just texting, and we went through the whole entire scene. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Um... But no, yeah, I think there is some legit creepy ones in the in the trios of horror. I mean, they they did their job back then. I think, they, and I, I believe they got like no, they got like letters about that too. Like they, not, well, they they addressed it on the show. They too. do. They're yeah, like, yeah. oh, by the way, this year's episode is too spooky. Marge has to come out and say it. Yeah, because they didn't actually they didn't they have any intention on toning it down. They just addressed the fact that yes, we're aware that you don't like these as much, parents, but we're going to show them anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'd certainly encourage anybody to email us at outnotpodcast.gmail.com. I know a number of our listeners do have children or do you know have opinions on these you know horror episodes because that's why you like doing them. You guys like hearing them, uh, so feel free to send us your you know kind of picks that you may have about this topic or any like you know specific stories or whatnot involving uh, you know your adventures and showing your kids movies that are you know of this ilk. Um, but yeah, I think or, that... or your own experiences of just oh, how sure, you get yeah. introduced to it. Of course, yeah, I'd be happy to read them on the next. Uh next horror episode if you get them anytime yeah. or just in general uh, but regardless that's gonna do it for this one uh, this uh, horror special focused on children's horror uh, our next one our final one for the month is going to be focused on horror remakes Ooh. Horror remakes mm-hmm. um, so that should be fun speaking to, uh, of poltergeist 2015 that should be <laughs> that should be fun to dig into and i'll, I'll, I'll kind of lay out for the potential guests what we're gonna how we're going to approach that but for now uh, let's uh, wrap things up here where can people find more of your guys's work online uh, brandon peters you can find me at Cult Cinema Cavalcade, which is cultcinemacavalcade.com. I've also got a new project going up called Don't Flinch, which is like a throwback to old like uh, 1920s to 30s uh, radio programming um, done modern in podcast form, uh, horror style. And you can find us. Our Go campaign is now live. Uh, so go donate. Uh, help us out. And uh, you can find more about it on Facebook. I believe the website is just still a random coming soon page. So. Don't flinch. Maxwell headed. Yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter at Cinemaxwell. Hey. Find me in Okadokly on Instagram and twitter.com slash Moose. Hashtag Gracie Films. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find all my work over at thecodeazeek.com. Um, this has been great uh you can it's been fun yeah yeah you know where you can find our show of course on itunes and Audio we're, we're on the internet yeah for sure but yeah uh maxwell brandon thank you both for joining us to discuss thank you both horror. thank you thank you yeah this has been a lot of fun but uh still got one more week to go before we wrap up this crazy month of horror episodes so yeah until then until next time so long and goodbye making up a song about Coraline. She's a peach, she's a doll, she's a pal of mine. She's as cute as a button in the eyes of everyone who ever laid their eyes on Coraline. When she comes
comes around exploring mom and I will never ever make it boring. Our eyes will be on Coraline.